Hey everyone, this is episode 101 of the Classic Gaming Podcast. Today's date is March 23rd, 2018. I'm Robert Ring, and with me is Mr. Jay Totoro. Hello, hello, hello. Dude, it's, it's almost April. You that? Yeah, uh... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you you want to follow that up with something? I was going to, but then a, I... Yeah. Well, I was going to, but then I realized, like, oh, I don't really have any, uh... I mean, like, yeah, it's it's almost April. I don't have anything to say about that. It's just crazy, isn't it? Well, you know. No, not really. Oh, okay. I just feel like it's going by super quick. Um, No, I just don't uh, feel that way. Wow. Okay. Okay. So it's been a little while. We had a... Uh, two weeks? Well, yeah, it's been two weeks, and then it was kind of two weeks before the last one also. We didn't really get to... Uh, we were kind of rushing the last one, so we didn't get to catch up on, on what's going down. Anything special in your... In your end of the country? Nah. Same old, same old. It's getting starting to warm up already. We had 90, 91 yesterday. 91? <laughs> yeah. Not looking forward to it already. It's it, Based on what we've seen so far in the last year, I'm expecting a ridiculously hot summer. Holy shit. That's, uh... That's... Yeah, that's 91. Test. It's been kind of uh, cold here, but then now it's starting to warm up. Like, it got warm, and then it got cold again, now it's starting to go, like, gradually back up. Yeah, it, it was kind of weird like that as well. It kind of fluctuated, and then it's sort of settling in this mid-80s during the day type situation. But gotcha. I'll deal with that for as long as possible, to be honest with you. So I've got a quick story about my birthday haul of classic games. This, this was, my birthday was last month, It was, but I didn't want to spend any extra time on the last episode talking about it, so I saved it for this one. So basically, so it was my birthday, and basically I just came up with a list of, like, a bunch of uh, games, like a bunch of classic games for, uh, that I wanted, like, off of eBay. Uh-huh. And I literally, like, pulled all of them up, and I was like, here, I told my wife, I was like, here, you and uh, Catherine, our daughter, you you guys just pick a few of these and get them for me. Um, and that that's, you can get those for me for my birthday. This is this, These are some of the things that I want. <laughs> like, I didn't expect her to get damn near everything that I that I wow. <laughs> so it turned out to be a little insane. So first off, Valentine's Day was a few, is three days before my birthday. So she okay. got one of the things for Valentine's Day also, in addition to the stuff that she got for my birthday. Well done. So, yeah, it was pretty nice. So Valentine's Day, I got a super scope, and. Huh. Are you serious? <laughs> yeah, Super Scope, because I've been so. wanting to play it, because it's been so long, I don't remember much about it, Just like, oh, yeah. I just remember a couple of the games, and I was like, this will be, you know, a fun thing to play for the podcast, and also it'll be a nice, kind of like a collection piece, you know? Mm-hmm. So, uh, that was one of the things I put on the list, and so, that, so she got me that for Valentine's Day. Then on my birthday, here's the rundown of my birthday haul. Uh-oh. I got Wipeout for PS1. <laughs> Crazy Taxi for Dreamcast. Oh, you finally got it. Yeah, I finally got it. Uh, 999 for DS. Uh, Bubble Bobble for NES. (laughs) Donkey Konga for GameCube. This is the one where you beat on the drums. Like, it's got the drums accessory. Yeah. Uh, Wario Land 3 for Game Boy. Ooh, that is a good one. That's what I hear. Xenogears for PS1. And... Last but not least, Mario Paint. Oh, that's dope. Yeah. 
even I'm even I'm happy with this list. <laughs> what? Give me your give me your quick top three birthday slash Valentine gifts. Go. Okay, top three birthday <laughs> slash Valentine gifts. Uh, definitely got to go with Mario Paint, and uh, probably for the other two, I'm going to go with Xenogears and Donkey Konga. Good choice. I love the Mario Paint. Oh yeah, Mario. for sure. Yeah, my daughter. It was so much fun watching her play it. I had more fun really? watching her play it than I did like doing anything else. She played it for like a couple of hours one day, just kind of like what? messing around with stuff, making little animations, playing. <clears throat> she played a lot with like the music maker part of it, you know. Oh yeah. Uh, so that was tons of fun, and uh, yeah, that's that's. I wanted to bring that up because that was that was neat. That was interesting. But that's really all that's been going on. With me, I wanted to, you know, you, a lot of times for whenever we have like a birthday or Christmas or like sometimes on our anniversary, I'll I'll, I'll be like, I'm going to get a new console <laughs> to give me like a Nintendo 64 or something. That's not one that I've gotten yet. Mm-hmm. But um, this time I noticed I was like, my library of games is a little bit small compared to the amount of consoles I have because I've been getting so many consoles that like I have like six games for each of them and that's it. So I was like, this time, we're going to back off the consoles, build out the library a little bit more, then then we'll probably go back to consoles next time. It turned out pretty well. That's awesome. Yeah. Oh, that worked out for you. So if you don't have anything else, we'll jump into news? Sure. All right. Uh, pretty big news, uh, at least for me. This came completely out of nowhere yesterday. No, like, teaser announcement or anything like that, but... Uh, all of a sudden, LucasArts, or I guess Disney, since they own LucasArts now, released uh, The Curse of Monkey Island on GOG and Steam. Interesting. Yeah, this is the third <clears throat> Monkey Island game. The previous two had gotten special editions a while back, like I want to say seven or eight years ago. And wow. uh, So they've been available for a while, and then... but. Curse of Monkey Island and then the fourth one, Escape from Monkey Island, had sort of just been like nobody. It didn't. They didn't seem interested in releasing those for whatever reason. But all of a sudden yesterday, Gog and Steam were like, "Curse of Monkey Island is out now." So uh, that was amazing. Get yeah, get it. Uh, I bought it on Gog. It was it was only like six dollars. So uh, and they also released uh, Maniac Mansion. On GOG, I think that had already gotten a release on Steam. Um, I could be wrong about that. But uh, but Maniac Mansion is also on GOG now as well. So uh, I've been playing that a little bit. I definitely haven't gotten very far because I didn't get a chance to play it almost at all yesterday. And then today I got a few hours into it, but it'll be a little while before I finish that. But I'm super excited because that's the one everybody keeps saying, like, oh, Monkey Island or Curse of Monkey <laughs> Island is one of the best ones. And... Uh, I didn't actually play this one growing up, even though I was a huge Monkey Island fan. When this one came out, it kind of came out at a time where I wasn't really playing a whole lot of games. Um, or, like, the games I was playing were mostly, like, mm-hmm. console games and, like, multiplayer stuff with my friends and just stuff like that. So, I wasn't really, like, Monkey Island wasn't really on my radar at the time. This was, like, I guess, probably, what year did it come out? I think, I want to say it was, like, late high school for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I mean, I've been, like, regretting not having played it. So I'm super excited to get to finally play it now. Let's see. It came okay. Yeah, it oh. came out in 1997. So I guess I would have been in like ninth grade, maybe. So I guess early, early high school. Um, 
They still don't have. Uh, they still haven't released <clears throat> Escape from Monkey Island, which is the fourth and in, in base. It was the final LucasArts one. Telltale did a few Monkey Island games before they got really big. You know, before like this is pre, this is pre Walking Dead, uh, and I haven't played those either. But as far as the LucasArts Monkey Island games go, Curse of Monkey Island is the third one. Escape is the fourth and final one. They, they have not released Escape yet, but I kind of I kind of have hope that they will now that uh, now that Curse is out. It would make sense that they would go ahead and release the the uh, the final one as well. So uh, that was pretty big news for point and click adventure fans. Absolutely. Uh, a couple things Switch related. <laughs> the Crash Bandicoot drill- trilogy is coming to Switch. Uh, well, at least it twitched. I'm like what? Twitch. <laughs> oh, that's really cool. Yeah, uh, and I didn't write this down. I didn't note whether it's uh, any sort of remake or anything. So. Uh, Sorry, actually, I don't have that information. Were you a Crash Bandicoot fan growing Absolutely. up? Did you play yeah, a, a lot of them? Games. or I played, like, uh, first the first and second one. one. Okay. I thought the second one was the best one. Oh, was it? I think so. Uh, another one coming to Switch is Another World. It's actually being... Oh, it's, wow. it, it's getting, like, sort of a uh, like a remake for Switch. <laughs> so I believe it's going to have updated graphics and all this kind of stuff. I'm not a huge. I forgot the other announcement for Twitter, for the Switch. Oh, Smash Brothers. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's huge. Oh yeah. That's that's. I was awesome. really disappointed that they used Splatoon to market it, but I, I understand why they did it. But uh-huh. fuck that game. Like yeah. out of all the badass characters that are in Smash, we don't want to see Splatoon. Well, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I agree, but at the same time, I did I did think it was kind of a cool announcement because it's like, oh no, okay, here's another Splatoon thing. What's this going to be? And then, so it really catches you off guard because, like, I was not expecting it that. Does. But uh, at the same time, I would have loved to see any other character. Yeah, but I, I agree with that also. But I don't know who. Oops. I don't know who you could have added uh, that's not already on there that would have been like huge. Do you True. have anybody uh, in mind? Mm, not off the top of my head. I actually didn't think about that. I can't think of any Nintendo characters that aren't in. A Smash Brothers that uh that would be cool. You know, if I'm thinking like outside of Nintendo, uh, the Ninja Turtles yeah. would be awesome. That'd be dope. Uh, but I can't really think as of... individuals or together. <laughs> like like the Pikmin one. Yeah, <laughs> like they're all one. <laughs> you play you play Splinter, dude. They'd be you just open. throw Ninja Turtles. <laughs> you throw Ninja Turtles. Um, yeah. So that was pretty big. Uh, yeah, it was. I'm not a big Another World fan, but uh, I do have a respect for the game, and it looks really cool, so that's, that's kind of neat. I mean, but I guess it's not really that big of news either anyway, because Another World has been remade for, like, tons of different platforms. Mm. Um, <clears throat> since we're talking uh, momentarily about non-classic stuff with Smash Brothers, I will go ahead and bring up uh, a couple non-classic gaming uh, related things, just because they are interesting. <laughs> Can you talk? <laughs> Bare- no. About as good as always. Uh, which one of these? So, Star Wars Battlefront. <laughs> Stop making fun of me. Oh, Robert, I missed you. Star Star Wars Battlefront Two. There we go. Oh, oh yeah, I saw that. You that heard? was really exciting. Yeah. So, uh, we I figure it's only fair to bring this up because we piled on when everybody was giving them so much shit. Uh, they have so Star Wars Battlefront Two. If you somehow don't remember got a ton of flack because of the basically the loot system the loot crate system was it was a terrible microtransaction. 
it was absolutely horrendous. Uh, the, like they're the, spending hundreds of dollars and not getting an item or a skin that they wanted or a character that they wanted. Yeah, like, what, what was the guy that said he, he spent like eighteen hundred dollars to get Darth Vader? And he, oh, I think he it was like it. I think it was like eighty dollars. Oh, was, I thought it was a lot more than that. I don't think so, but but oh okay, I don't I, know. I remember seeing a poster. Some guy spent like over fifteen hundred dollars on it. Maybe like, I don't. I don't know. Oh, I could be wrong. But um, and when they actually, it's not just like a Darth Vader skin. It's like the character that affects gameplay. And I believe is more powerful. Oh, than a lot absolutely. Of the other ones. Yeah, so that was been told. Yeah, so that was uh and then there so there was a huge and like they handled it terribly. Like they yep. like it, like all the they handled the criticism terribly, I mean, and so it was just a complete shit show. Uh so I guess yesterday or the day before, they announced that uh loot crates are now purely for cosmetic things. And yep. they are going to be unlocking all characters uh, and ships, which uh, I guess there are ships in in game that you that you can get or previously could buy. I haven't played Battlefront two, so I don't know exactly how those work. But they're unlocking all of that stuff for free. So, so, so here's my question: Yeah, what took them so long? Like, like did they actually have to go through meeting after meeting with different people in the company and go, "All right, we have this idea. We think it's going to work." And it's <laughs> like, "Oh, let me hear it." And they had to pitch it one by one. Like, did they actually have to go through that, or was there a certain point where? Like they were, somebody was just holding it up, and it just ended up going through. Like how, how did it's it take good, them this long? It's a good I question. I didn't think about that. I don't know why it took them this long to get there. Um, Crazy. It's, sad. it's it's. I will applaud them for getting there finally. It's true. Um, so hopefully they don't fuck it up with something else now. Exactly. Yeah. Like you gotta kind of, like they've done. They fucked up so much in the past that you kind of gotta like be wary. That is—is is there something else going on here that they're not yeah, saying like, yet? They're doing this to line themselves up for something else. Exactly. But I gotta say, this is a good move. This—this this itself is a good move. We'll, we'll, if anything else happens, we'll address that then. But uh, <laughs> we'll you know, address that then. To, to give them credit. They—it may have taken them a long time, but they finally undid what was so terrible about their game. So here. So that's 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 they they get some commendation for that. Uh, also, you'll like this. I don't. I don't. I don't know if you've heard about this or not. Uh, you know, inside we 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 talked about it a little bit. It yeah. was on my top 100 list, and we've talked about it a little bit in the past. It's kind of like the uh, mm-hmm. s- sequel to Limbo, sort of. Uh, I absolutely love this game. They are getting a collector's edition. Interesting. Uh, I forgot to write down how much it costs. Let me pull this up real quick. Robert, come on. It's like three hundred and forty dollars. Shut your mouth. <laughs> And uh, $375. Yeah, you can go fuck yourself all the way with all that. All right, this is a limited release, of course. Um, you have it's they're only selling it to, to pre orders, so like once they announce what's in it, like you can't buy it anymore, so you have to buy it blind. Uh, it comes with it's just a middle finger, that's all it is. <laughs> it comes just with a uh, a PS4. A uh, physical copy of the game, and quote other stuff. Oh, jeez, come on! Now, now here's the real interesting part. Um, they are co- in it. They in the description. It says that they are collaborating with. Uh, it's I am Eight Bit, which is the uh, company kind of like putting together the package. Play Dead, which is the developer that uh, that made the game. 
Those two are collaborating on this special edition with the company Real Doll to sell what? to make whatever is going in the package. Do you know what Real Doll is? No. Should I? You should look it up. Why? Just do it. Just Google Real Doll. Yeah. Oh great. <laughs> What do you find? What'd you find? What do you think I found, Robert? Life-size dolls. Why don't you tell the listeners about it? It looks like it's used for um, after bedtime time. I'll read the... Um... <laughs> well, let's just go straight to the source. I was going to read the Wikipedia description, but let's go straight to realdoll.com. Um, you're an animal. Their, their website's taking too long to look. All right, here we go. I was getting so many downloads right now, that's why. They don't have like a. I mean, they get all. They, all they have is pictures, so there's not a good description. They make sex dolls, as you can probably tell from from Jay's reaction. <laughs> if you scroll down, they also make just specific parts of sex dolls. Like here's like, okay, a vag. There's a butt. <laughs> all right, we're moving on. Moving on, Robert. They make some uh, for the ladies as well. And this is my, my wife just walked in and is staring at me now. Good. I hope she's looking at you the same way I'm looking at you remotely right now. Look. Uh, so this company is is so so they're working with this company on whatever is in this limited edition version of this game. I can take a guess. Now, the guess is that the speculation is that at the end of this game, there is this giant, big sort of like. Uh, genetic creation, like laboratory ball of flesh type thing, essentially. Okay. And the speculation, which is very likely true, is that that's what this is. Is that it's not oh, like okay. literally. A, I mean, I guess you could turn it into a sex toy, but it's more or less like a like like an abomination, basically. That they don't you uh, feel like that might get them some negative publicity though, or why? Just I mean, what kind of consumers are they? Do they expect? So I'm just thinking like. You know how upset people get about the dumbest thing. It just seems like one of those things that people get really upset about, even though they know not, they probably know nothing about it. Does that make sense? Um, no, because I mean, I think they're 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 being like, I think it's kind of uh the controversy stirred up is like a good kind of controversy. It's like, okay, oh man, like, they're teaming up with a sex. They're teaming yeah. up with a sex doll company. What could it possibly be? Like nobody's gonna, nobody who cares about this stuff is gonna actually be offended by That's that. That's what I was asking. Okay, that makes sense then. Okay. Here's a um, picture of, like, the thing that, uh, oh, fuck. I'm just trying to show you a picture of what the, uh. Better gonna... not be a sex doll, Robert. Do you ever plan on playing this game? Because it's actually a little bit of a spoiler. Um, probably not. Maybe. I don't play a lot of games. There's, like, the, um, the ending oh, thing. So, uh, yeah. So how about that? very interesting it's actually a good batch of news i like it seriously and uh is that everything let me take a look oh oh there is one more thing back to uh relevant stuff uh you remember the atari box that we've been talking a little bit about the atari console that nobody's really sure exactly what or why it is uh they apparently have announced that it will be called the atari vcs now I did not get an indication of what VCS means. I was reading this on Atari's website, and uh, or, or when their press releases, rather, and I didn't 
I don't know if I just missed it, but I didn't gather that information. But regardless, it's not it's no longer the Atari box. It's now the Atari VCS. They revealed a new controller. Previously, they showed the uh, joystick, which is the extremely basic Atari joystick. They uh, apparently are going to have a like a modern controller to go with it as well. It looks exactly like an Xbox 360 controller. And um, and that's it. <laughs> so like, still not okay. much information about it. Besides, uh, it's gonna like come preloaded with Atari games and supposedly be able to play uh, some PC games as well. Still, still can't say I'm super hyped about it, but who knows? You know, I'm not gonna. Yeah, judge I don't it. know how to feel right now. I'm kind of confused. I'm not gonna judge it before it comes out, but but I'm still yeah. I'm I'm like you. I'm kind of confused, and I and I don't yet have a. I gotta say, I haven't been given a reason to be excited about this yet. I guess I got better um that's it so let's talk about the games we've been playing okay i'm gonna roll a dice and see who goes first are you uh i go first roll a dice. you always go first so i've played a shitload of games or not a shitload i've played a, a good number of games uh in the past like months because it's been that long since we've really talked about games normally oh uh, yeah <clears throat> i actually have four games that i could talk about but uh, I'm not going to do all of them, but I am going to do three, because one of them's fairly short, one of them's kind of in between, and one of the other one's kind of in between. So, let's start off, I wanted to do this specifically for episode 101, because in episode number 001, the game I, I don't remember if this was the only game I played, or if I maybe played another along with it, but I do know that in the first episode of the Classic Gaming Podcast, I played Space Quest Four. And uh, since then, <clears throat> I have played Space Quest 6 on the podcast as well. For episode number 101, I wanted to go back to Space Quest and play the the final Space Quest game. Space Quest 6, The Spinal Frontier. This came out on PC in 1995. It is a Sierra point-and-click adventure game. Uh, as with all of the Sierra point-and-click adventure games... N- Basically, none of them were as good as any LucasArts point-and-click adventure game. Uh, there were there are good things about most all of them, but I, I have yet to really play one that I was really like, I enjoyed that a whole bunch. <clears throat> uh, so, this is Space Quest Six, the, the last one that they made. And it is uh, a little bit different from the previous ones. Uh, the previous ones were, again, kind of uh, sort of a uh, characteristic of a lot of the Sierra point-and-click adventure games. Frustrating puzzles, some uh, some real frustrating, like, um, you know, I don't know if it had, a, they, I don't know if they had necessarily super hard dead ends. Uh, I know, I know there are a few, but the, but they don't have as many dead end states as they do in King's Quest where you can like totally fuck your game over in so many different ways. There are definitely ways you can do that in the Space Quest games, but they were never as egregious as the as King's Quest for instance. But this still happens. Um a lot of the uh, uh puzzles like I said are frustrating and and sort of nonsensical in some ways. And in 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 the aside from the actual mechanics, the Space Quest games are known for kind of being like stupid, funny, kind of like not hilarious, but just kind of like dumb humor, kind of like m- poking fun at, at uh, science fiction, at the science fiction genre in general, that kind of stuff. This this final installment of Space Quest is not 
that different in that sense. It's still the same type of humor, uh, some frustrating puzzles, but everything is dialed down a little bit. So there's not as much bad stuff in this one, but there's also not as much good stuff. It kind of like levels everything out a little bit both ways. All of the extremes are taken. It's not as good, and it's also not as bad as a lot of the, uh, as as the previous ones. Uh, specifically, specifically four and five. I usually leave out one through three when talking about these because those were very very different. They were the type of uh, like type in commands to move the character around and to like you know to like open a box. You like literally type in open box or like look inside seat cushion and that kind of shit. Uh, Interesting. Very very different. Uh, I mean, they are still adventure games. But uh, it's like, it's a whole different type of game. So as far as four through six go, this is the same thing. But again, like I said, not as much bad stuff, not as much good stuff. The, uh, the art style and the graphics to begin with are uh, technically better. But like the, it's like the graphics are better, but the art is not as good. So this one takes the, the, the previous, the four, uh, four and five have that real sort of classic point and click adventure look, this sort of like really pixelated art style, you know, that you think of when you think of classic point and click adventure games. This one is, is much more cartoony. So everything is a lot smoother and, uh, and it's, it's in some cases a little bit easier to tell what's what, but at the same time, uh, the cartooniness of it it's a little bit lazy at times and also it doesn't have nearly as much detail as uh as like a lot of the as as the previous versions sort of had to have because you know when you're working with pixels it's people did a very good job back then of like putting a good bit of detail in with very limited resources and, and you know very limited pixel count to be able to put that detail in and i feel like with this cartoon it's like almost like they would draw a character or something and then like do like <laughs> like color fill to you know fill in his torso or you know or like his pants or whatever and there's like not as much like again there's just not as much detail there's not as much like shadowing and that kind of stuff it just doesn't look again the the technically the graphics are better but the art does not look uh in my opinion doesn't look nearly as good um this one also has a severe lack of story now there is a story in the game but like it literally doesn't even come in until about a third of the way through the game. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. When it, when it's, when it, when the game starts off, they literally like, you're, they're like, Oh, you're on shore leave, go down to this planet and have a good time. And they beam you down to this planet that you are, that your ship is orbiting. And that's, and that's it. You just are wandering around. Like you don't have any, you don't have any goals. You don't have any, like do this. Like you're just like, Oh, Go on, go on, just do whatever. So, I mean, clear, like, obviously there are things to do, but, but you don't have a sense of, uh, of purpose. You're wandering around talking to people. Like when you first beam down, you're actually stuck. They beam you into where like half your body is stuck, uh, in the, in like the asphalt and you have to figure out like a way to get out of the asphalt and that kind of stuff. And it's like the first kind of like minor puzzle of the game. Uh, And then you can walk around talking to people and eventually, after you talk to enough people, you come across this one guy who's like, "Hey, I got this job for you to do. I need you to come." Like, basically, he's a uh, he's he's basically a Blade Runner, and he's like, "You got to go catch this. Uh, if you go catch this guy for me, then I'll give you, you know, like fifty bucks or something like that." So you got to 
do this little mission for? I mean, like you're, you're uh, the player would still have in mind the question, why do I care about doing this for this guy? You know, why, why am I doing this? But, but the game makes it clear. All right, this is what we want you to do, even though there's not like a <laughs> reason for the character to want to do it. So still kind of sucks, but it's, it's not like it's impossible to figure out, you know, what you're going to do. It just doesn't really make sense. <clears throat> um, so the story, as I said, comes in about a third of the way through the game. And it's basically, it's a pretty thin story, even when it does pop up. It basically has to do with uh, this girl that you're kind of falling in love with. And, and <laughs> I know girls, right? Gross. Uh, and um, like she gets killed at one point and then you're sort of like trying to figure out, there's like a little twist that happens and you're sort of trying to figure out like the mystery of, of what happened to her essentially. And that's pretty much it for the whole rest of the game. And then like, at the, I'm not going to give away what happens at the end, but like the end, the whole, like the last kind of like big, I would say like the last act of the game is, is really kind of drawn out and, and uninteresting. And then like, it just like ends very abruptly. So the story also not good. Now, when I played this game, <clears throat> I actually had to stop playing about a third of the way through and watch the rest of it on a, like a playthrough wow. because my, um, my installation of the game kept crashing at this one spot it's about a third of the way through when you walk through, like you do, you're in this room, you do a few things that you're supposed to do in there and then you exit the room and you go do other stuff and it crashed on that spot and it, and I reloaded and tried it a bunch more times and it kept also, it kept always just crashing Yikes. on the same spot. So I had to stop there and just watch the rest of it. Um, so, so to the puzzles, they are, uh, th- this one, King's Quest Six does a much better job of not giving you dead ends. In fact, there are no uh, actual dead end states that you can get into, which is fantastic for Sierra. This is the yeah, absolutely yeah. This is the first Sierra game that I know of that doesn't have some sort of dead ends. Jeez. Um, it does have death states where you can get killed by stuff, but as long as you have a save, you can just go back to your save and, and start back from there. There's nothing where it's like, oh, you sh- you forgot to pick up this, you know, like random item 10 hours ago. You, there's no way for you to win the idiot. game. Yeah, <laughs> you idiot. Uh, there's nothing like that now, but there are some parts that are kind of stupid. Like there are still some puzzles that are pretty uh, ridiculous. There are fewer. It's like you have to like, you had to have been reading something and remember this one very specific detail in order to get past this other part. Uh, but like, it's still stuff where you could look it up, which again, so this was 1995. So still on the early end of, you know, not, not definitely not like this was all over the internet type stuff, but there are ways, there were ways to find out what you could have done, what, you know, what you had to do. And it wasn't, and there's, and there's that phone number. Exactly. And there's nothing to where you would have to like start your game over. It's like, okay, well, if you don't remember like this little detail, then this is how you solve this puzzle. It's like how you connect little things on some electronic device and that kind of stuff. Uh, There's also, it also has the problem that really all Sierra point and click games have, which is in, so I'll contrast this with LucasArts point and click games In LucasArts games, there are, uh, and there may be exceptions to this, so don't quote me on this, but <clears throat> everyone that I can remember, if there is an object that is in, in any sort of object in the game 
that is usable or not even usable, but that you can like look at and get some information on or a door that you can open or especially, you know, things that you can pick up when you hover over it with the mouse, uh, you'll get some sort of indication that this is something that you can do something with. It doesn't like, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't tell you anything about the puzzle. It's just like, Hey, this is uh like, usually the way it'll work is, uh, when you hover over it, a little word will pop up like at the bottom of the screen and tell you what it is. It's like door. And then you can be like, oh, okay, I want to look at this door. Or if you hover yep. over like a, uh, a stick that's on the ground, then like, it won't say anything. But then when you hover over the stick, it'll say stick. So that tells you this is something that you can do something with. Um, and that's usually, nice. usually they also do a, uh, a good job of like, you know, making something stand out. Like if something, if there's like, you know, uh, a pile of junk and like one specific thing in the junk that's supposed to stand out that you're supposed to use. It'll maybe be like a different color than, the, than everything else to where it's like really obvious. You see it, you, you know, your eyes are drawn to it. So you, so you try to pick it up. And, uh, the, the Sierra games do not have that. They, uh, don't have any sort of indicator when you, when you're hovering the mouse over something, whether it's something that you can do with, you just have to, if you see something interesting, <clears throat> if you see something that you think you can use, you just have to try and if you don't notice something, then you are just shit out of luck because you're you're not going to... I mean, if you get stuck, then you don't really have a good way of knowing, well, is there something that I missed that I'm supposed to pick up? Because Dang. everything looks as usable as everything else. Stuff in, you know, the background looks as usable as like, you know, an item that might be sitting on a counter or something like that. And that becomes a problem, uh, especially early on, because there's uh, one puzzle in particular where it's like you have to do something with some random like pipes sticking out of the ground in the background of an area <laughs> in order to get past this puzzle. And it looks 100% just like, you know, part of the environment, just part of the art, uh, you know, just part of the background. But it's actually there are actually pipes that you have to that you have to use for this puzzle. Uh, not to mention the puzzle itself that these particular pipes are used for is kind of, uh, I won't say it's totally random, but it's a little bit of a, I mean, uh, most puzzles are a stretch. It's, it's very difficult to determine, oh, these are something that I'm going to want to do something with. Um, so it has that problem of like, you know, make sure you click on basically everything because nothing you know a lot of stuff you know some stuff does stand out but there's plenty of stuff that you have to use that does not stand out as well so there's a lot of wasted time just like missing things or just clicking on every single thing to make sure it's not something that you can do something with it also gets a little frustrating because you might be in a room uh where there are like tons of buttons all over the place but only like one button like actually does anything in game and like all the other ones are are literally just background buttons so if you click on them it's just like you can't do something with that. Or it's like, you know, no, like, what are you trying to do? Like there's, there's a, there's a narrator that tell that kind of like talks to you throughout the game. And, uh, basically his job is to make you feel like uh, a complete dumbass while you're playing the game. You'll like try picking up something and maybe it's just like, you know, a piece of the environment, but you don't know that it's not an actual object because again, there's no indication of that. So like you'll click, like you'll do the hand icon and then like click on this thing to see if you can pick it up. And it'll be like, Oh, you really thought that would work, I guess, didn't you? Or like, so Jeez. like a lot of times he, so he's, he's got this like really exaggerated sort of like shocky sci-fi, uh, schlocky sci-fi, like announcer voice, like, and that, that part's on purpose. 
Um, but like, again, all he does is make fun of you the entire game. And he tries and like, he, he says things that are like supposedly funny, but most of them are just really dumb. Like you might click on something and it'll be like, like, you're like, you know, you want to use this, uh, you know, button or, or something. And then like, you'll try clicking on it with the hand icon and he'll say, let's not and say we did. And it's like, oh, Ugh. that's hilarious. Isn't it? And then, uh, first time it's like, oh, and then the 38th time you're like, stop. <laughs> yeah. That's what I imagine you were like. Basically. Yeah. And like, he also like narrates like actual events in game. So like there was one part, I don't remember where, I don't remember what it was that happened exactly, but it was like something sort of suspicious was going on. And the announcer or the narrator goes, something doesn't smell right about this. Or did you just forget to change your socks today? Like, that's the type of humor. Holy shit, Robert. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that's that's the kind of, that's the level of humor you're working with here. Uh, he's supposed to be, like, making fun of Roger Wilco. Like, in the game's defense, the narrator's not supposed to be making fun of you so much as he's making fun of the character. Because, kind of like the long-running gag of the Space Quest games is that Roger Wilco is sort of this big, dumb idiot that just happens to save the world a whole bunch of times. So, like... He's making fun of Roger Wilco because Roger Wilco is supposed to be sort of this like, uh, like doofus sort of character, but in game he's like, you know, the way it comes across is like, oh, okay, so you're gonna just make fun of me for trying to like pick up a, you know, magazine yeah. off the ground? Okay, that's that's cool. So uh, humor not great, story not great, puzzles not great, graphics not great. So why did you play this game again? I already told you why, because it's the last Space Quest game. Yeah. It's episode 101. No, I know. Uh, so, again, in the game's defense, it's to, it does not have some of the super terrible things that most of the uh, Sierra games do have. But at the same time, it doesn't really have anything that good either, unfortunately. So, I I didn't think I was going to love it. And I was right, I guess. <laughs> I didn't love it. <laughs> I feel pretty... Uh, it wasn't like absolutely terrible where I'm going to rant about it forever, but it, there wasn't really anything good about it either. All right. On to the next one. We're going to talk about the Super Scope. Ooh. Specifically, we're going to talk about Super Scope 6, which is the game packaged with the Super Scope. This is, if you ever had a Super Scope, <laughs> then, you, uh, then you played Super Scope 6 because this is the game that came with it. And I think, I want to say, I could be wrong about this. I want to say that... The only other game that ever came out that supported the Super Scope was uh, the Yoshi game. It's like Yoshi's Cookie. I, have I think no idea. <clears throat> I played Super Scope, but that's that's about it. No, that's it wasn't. The extent of my that. Okay, it wasn't. Uh... Oh no 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 no! I'm sorry. It wasn't Yoshi's. It was Yoshi's Safari. Was the other one, and I think that was maybe the only other one. But regardless, Super Scope Six was basically the Super Scope game. Um... And uh, so, as the as the title of the uh, of the game implies, there are six kind of uh, basically mini games within this cartridge. So you put the game in. So the Super Scope, if you're not familiar with it, it's basically a light gun for the Super Nintendo. Uh, this came out in 1992, by the way. It's a light gun for the Super Nintendo, but instead of being like a like a handheld like a pistol like the light gun is for NES, this is a bazooka that you uh, that you place on your shoulder. And you hold it like way out in front of you, and there's even like a sight that you look through on it. <clears throat> and uh, Super Scope Six is a cartridge that had games on that had games for it. 
and as I said, it came with it. So the games that are so when you when you launch when you put the the game in, you have two options: Blastrous or Laser Blazer. And each of these options has three sub games on them to choose from. <clears throat> uh, Blastrous has Blastrous Mode A, Blastrous Mode B, and Mole Patrol, which has nothing at all. Is no way related. It, well, no, it has to do with the space moles. But oh, okay. what I was going to say is it has nothing to do with. <laughs> you were worried about that, weren't you? Has nothing, <laughs> it has nothing to do with the rest of the Blasters games. It kind of just feels like they put it in this section because they didn't have anywhere else to put it. Uh, then Laser Blazer has three games. Laser Blazer has Intercept, Engage, and Confront, which those are all similar to each other. So we'll just start from the top here. Blasters Mode A. Um, so Blasters in general, so, Bla- so there are basically two Blasters games, Mode A and Mode B. They're both sort of like Tetris. Uh, Blasters Mode A is the most similar to Tetris out of these two. What it is, is actual Tetris pieces uh, fall or, or go to the side of the screen. I, can't, I remember, I know for sure that there are, that they go to the side of the screen. I don't remember if there are some modes where they actually go straight down like like regular Tetris. But regardless... Mm-hmm. You have Tetris pieces going from one end of the screen to the other, and then, but instead of turning these Tetris pieces, you can aim and shoot parts off of them. So, like, if you imagine, you know, you're like each of the Tetris pieces is like four four blocks placed in, you know, different order. Like, one, you know, there might be a straight line or an L or like pl- the plus sign, or I guess the or the plus sign like missing a side, you know, or the or the uh, the four square block. And so you can shoot at them and and knock blocks off of each piece to make them fit. You can also shoot uh, parts off of pieces that, that have already landed as well. So if like you have a piece coming down, you're like, oh, this would fit. I can get this to fit great if only like I had this space free. Then you're then you can shoot you know the stuff that's already been placed. That's just fine. And that's the whole entire game. Wow. So it's not particularly challenging or interesting. Um, Blastrous mode B is uh, even less challenging and interesting. <laughs> Instead of Tetris pieces, it's uh, it's got blocks that fall from the top of the screen to the bottom, but it's just one single individual block. And what you do is when you, when you shoot it, the block like rotates, and it shows it, and it, and it like a different color is facing the screen. So this instead of being like a Tetris game, this is a match three game where you're trying to get blocks of the same color, you know, all lined up together. So if, you know, obviously, if you have two green ones and then a block is falling on top of those and you want to like shoot it until it rotates until green is showing and then it'll land and the you know the green ones will disappear right there you can't you you have no control over where the blocks land on the screen literally all you do is shoot them until they turn the color that you want them to be so that's also not fantastic yeah i was gonna say mole patrol is pretty fun uh, it's, it's, it's still pretty simplistic and, and a bit limited. It's not anything that you're going to play for very long at all, but it's definitely better than, than both versions of Blastrous. Uh, Mole Patrol is basically whack-a-mole and it's, uh, it's, it's whack-a-mole in space. So there's like a little, kind of like a moon looking, uh, little like landscape right in front of you. And there are these moles that kind of walk across the screen and then they jump into the holes and then, the game is they pop their heads up and you shoot them when they pop their heads up. There are blue moles and pink moles. You're only supposed to shoot the blue ones. If you shoot a pink one, then they start going like super duper fast. Like they'll pop their head up for like, like less than half a second. 
and then go back down really quick. So uh, it just makes it harder if you accidentally miss and shoot a pink one. And that's the whole game is when a blue mole pops his head out of a crater, you got to shoot him real quick before he goes back down. This one is definitely. So more... how much time did you spend on these two games combined? Would you say like an hour total uh, on on Bl- Blasters and and Mole Patrol? Yeah, these two games. Oh, not even that much. Probably like twenty minutes. Okay. Maybe twenty five. You know, but 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 not much at all. Um, Mole Patrol, like I said, is definitely better than, than Blastrous, but, uh, it's still, you know, it's, it's whack-a-mole. So it's, you're only going to get a limited amount of enjoyment out of it. Uh, then there's the Laser Blazer games. Laser Blazer, they are all much better than, uh, Blastrous and Mole Patrol. Um, still not anything that you're going to get hours of, of entertainment from, but a hundred, a hundred percent better than, than, than the previous ones. So... Uh, as I said, there are three versions of Laser Blazer. The first is Intercept, or there's Intercept, Engage, and Confront. Intercept is probably my favorite one. It's uh, There are missiles flying across the screen, and they're not flying like at you. Like, you are you. Like So you're like standing in front of the screen. Your character is you, basically. So the missiles going sideways in front of you are not hitting you. They're just kind of flying off the screen. I don't remember if they're supposedly hitting like a base or something like that. But what you do is you're supposed to shoot down... The, these missiles that are going across the screen. And it's basically a score chasing game. Um, but it's, um, it takes a little bit of, it's, it's not difficult by any means, but it does take a little bit of a skill in that when you shoot at a missile, it's not like duck hunt where when you shoot it, it like instantly hits whatever it is. When you shoot, you're shooting a missile as well. So it takes a, it takes like a second to travel like, you know, from the foreground of the screen away from you to hit the missile. So you have to get a get a little bit of a lead. You have to judge, the like, the lead on every missile that you're trying to shoot down and shoot a little bit in front of it because you have to allow for time for your missile to get to where that one is and hit it. And then, like, on later levels, there will be missiles, uh, like, in the foreground and then missiles, like, farther back in the background and then some in between. So some missiles, so if it's a missile that's farther away in the background, you have to lead all, you have to lead that one a whole lot more on your shot. You have to like shoot farther in front of it um, to make sure that you hit it and, you know, your missile doesn't like, you know, take too long to get there and end up going behind it. So you're judging distances on, on different types of missiles that are different distances away from you and trying to shoot them down with your own missiles. That was pretty fun. It takes a little, like I said, it takes, uh, it's a little bit more interesting. It takes a little bit, a little bit more skill. Still not, still not difficult. But um, definitely better than the previous stuff. Uh, the second Laser Blazer game is Engage. Where this is basically the same thing. You're still shooting missiles at stuff on the screen. This time, though, it's uh, ships are coming at you. So they're kind of like flying towards the, towards you, towards the screen. Um, they're, they're, sh- they're also shooting missiles that are coming directly toward you. So you have to shoot down like the missiles that they shoot at you in order to not take damage. And then obviously you want to shoot down the ships as well. Uh, if you take enough damage, obviously you die. And then the third one is confront where, which is, vi- which is very similar to the last one, but instead of uh, the enemy shooting missiles at you, they're shooting lasers at you that you, that you cannot shoot down. It's like, basically if they shoot a laser, then you automatically take that damage. So you just have to kill the enemies very quickly before they are able to shoot at you. Uh, and that's, and that's basically it. These these games were, were these last three were pretty fun, uh, but still like I don't see myself really 
going back and revisiting them anymore. I'm it's kind of what I expected. Yeah. 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 It's, it's kind of what it sounds like. I think, um, I, I'm super excited to have the super scope six up like in its box on my shelf with all my other stuff. And it looks really cool. And it's fun to have that. But, um, but it's not, I don't know, it's more fun to own it than it is to play it. I'll say, I'll put it, I'll put it that way. That's unfortunate. Yeah. Uh, I didn't remember, like, I remembered playing it, but I really did not have a good recollection of, no. like, how much I enjoyed it or anything like that. You didn't either? No, I remember playing it, and I remember that was it. Like, I don't remember if I had any emotions towards, like... Right. You know, like, usually you think of a game, you're like, oh, I really like the game, or I dislike the game. I, that was just kind of like, we had it. Well, I didn't have <laughs> it. My buddy had it. Uh-huh. Kinda like, you know, it's there. Yep. I guess. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's exactly, exactly how it was for me. So there's a super scope. And the last one I'll talk about is, is going to be very brief. So I will, uh, I guess I'll preface this by saying I've been, pl- I've been playing a little bit of the most classic of games, which is chess. Oh my and, God. Uh, I've been playing chess recently too. Are you fucking serious? <laughs> I'm dead serious. I'm actually pretty good too. Damn. All right. What do you, we, we're going to we're gonna have to play some time. Uh, give, give me some more time. Cause I don't know how good you are. Like no, I'm I not good. From- not play- okay. I am. You are probably better than me. My first four games, I drew all four. All four games. Okay, yeah, you're probably better than me. Like, how crazy is that? Like, I was like playing against people, and I'm like, okay, do this, do this. Like, I'd get an early. My my goal was I'd get an early advantage, like a, a one one for nothing trade, and mm-hmm. then I would just trade evenly the rest of the game. That was my strategy. Oh, then yeah? I'd mess up once, and I'd lose a piece, and then we'd end up just king <laughs> v king or some stupid bullshit. It would just be a draw. I'm like, all right, well. That was fun. Do you, what do you play on? Uh, just like some oh shit, something that came with my computer actually. Okay, uh, I've been I've been online playing, thing. I've been playing on chess.com. Oh, interesting. Okay. Um, and they've got good tutorials as well, which I've been doing a little bit of, just to kind of oh, like cool. have some fucking clue what I'm doing, you know? Yeah. But uh, I but I'm still like I win sometimes, and uh, it's like I win probably forty percent of the games that I play. And mm-hmm. then, but like, it's, it's got a, uh, like an, uh, like a ranking system. So you're playing people that are ranked, you know, roughly the same as you. So like, I sure. definitely lost my first like five games cause I was ranked like twice as high yeah, as I should have been. Yeah, cause you're setting your MMR, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, but where I am kind of leveled out, even then I, I probably went, like I said, probably 40% and like out of the ones I do win, it's like half of them. I just win because. Like the other person eventually gives up or because uh, they run out of time and I don't. (laughs) I love that there's time. Yeah, it's it's nice. Like every person has 10 minutes total. So like, you know, if your time runs out, then you lose. So that's how I've won like probably 40% of my games. And then like, you know, some of them are because the other person gave up. And then like a few of them are because I actually got a checkmate. It's funny when people waste time in the first couple of turns. I'm like, you're an idiot. Because when we get to the later stages of the game where you actually have to think and look oh, at all yeah, the different yeah. options, I'm like, like they spend like four tur- four uh, four minutes on their second turn, like just trying to decide what they want to do a second move. I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah. like I'm two two moves ahead right now. Come on. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's funny. I don't know what got me interested in playing. Me this either. Oh, jeez. <laughs> This is so weird. Okay. It's super weird. I, I just, one day I like actually clicked on it and I'm like, I've always kind of wanted to play chess. And then I like started playing. I was like, I'm going to be terrible. And then I'm like, oh, I drew my first four games. Maybe I'm pretty good. <laughs> no, I'm not good, but 
I get the hang of it. Yeah, you might be you might be pretty good because you know I I always found chess like a little bit boring, and but like like I said for no, for basically no reason I was like I don't want to play chess, so I've sort of, so I've been playing a little bit and uh, having a pretty good time with it, even though I'm really not that good. That's cool. But so what been, is your, what is your preferred first first piece move? Uh, if you queen, go first, like let's say you go first, yeah. If what I go is, first, what is the first piece move? Uh, e four. So the queen's pawn two forward. Is that what you do? Uh, no, I don't. I haven't looked at any strategies or anything, so I'm just kind of doing my own thing, to be honest with you. Okay, okay. We'll have to play. Okay. Uh, um, give me a little bit more time because I want to actually like understand. I want a basic strategy. So yeah, I, have one. You, I think um, so. I've been playing chess.com, and they have pretty good tutorials. I hear that lichess. I think org maybe it's l i chess is also supposed to be pretty good. Uh, but um. So I've been playing chess. So with that, I was like, you know what? I'm going to pick up battle chess from GOG and just try it out. Just more like more than anything, just to like be able to talk about it for the podcast. Cause I knew I wasn't going to play it much. I don't really have much interest in playing against the computer AI. I, I want to play against, you know, real people. Um, but I remembered, but I had this game when I was younger. So I was like, well, let's, let's go back and, and see what it was like. And uh, so battle chess, this is game where you play this game called chess. You have these pieces. It's like oh, wow. a, it's kind of like checkers, but a little bit more complicated. You slow down. You're going. I have no idea what you're talking. Yeah, about. I'm sorry. There are squares on the board, and each piece takes up one square. Whoa! And different pieces Since have when they <laughs> they have different. You know, like fin- imagine Final Fantasy Tactics. Okay. Oh, okay. So you said Final what? <laughs> you're gonna hate yourself now for pretending that you didn't know what Final Fantasy Tactics was. Uh, so anyway, Battle Chess is just chess. The only thing special about it is the pieces like walk around. So like, you know, your king, like the pieces are actually people on the board. Think Harry Potter chess. All right. No, not even that far. Well, maybe, maybe, maybe a tiny bit. Um, and then when you move a piece, it like the piece walks to its spot instead of just moving like, you know, a static piece. Whoa. Uh, when you take a piece, the pieces, the two pieces fight. And then, you know, it's always, you know, like it's not like there's an actual combat, mechanic is like you know whatever piece gets taken that's the one that would get taken but it just does a, a neat little fighting animation where you get to watch the pieces battle for a second and then one of them kills the other and it disappears and, and the game goes on uh and that's almost all there is to say about it I, it's uh not a game worth going back to and playing because the movement of the pieces is a little bit slow you know like when you're playing chess especially if you're playing like more oh than just yeah, I game. was thinking the same thing. <laughs> I would turn those enemies up in a heartbeat. Yeah, imagine like having to watch every single pawn like, mo- like walk for like it's like five seconds, but it's like five seconds that should be like zero seconds each. You know, like your piece should just like instantaneously appear there, but you gotta just like watch it walk over there, and that's like the point of the game is for it to not just be like plain old boring chess, I guess. But it, but if you're actually interested in playing a game of chess. This really just puts like it just makes the whole thing a little bit difficult to get through because you have to wait so much every single time there's any sort of movement whatsoever. Um, the 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 little fights are kind of cool, but they're nothing special, and obviously they they just add more time because these those are like anywhere from five to fifteen seconds each whenever you take whenever a piece gets taken by another piece. Um, 
also, since this game is a little bit older, this game, uh, Battle Chess came out in uh, 1988, the very first version of it. Yeah, it's my birth year. Oh, sweet. And so, uh, because of that, the AI is a little bit slow. So sometimes it takes the computer like five or ten seconds to figure out what it's going to do next. Um, which isn't really the end of the world because, you know, when if you're playing against a real person, then they're always going to take a little bit of time as well. But just like, it just, everything keeps adding up. It's like the AI takes a while to figure out what to do. The pieces take a while to move. The pieces take a while to take other pieces to where it really just becomes a really drawn out event anytime you want to just play a game of chess. Uh, hmm. One thing that's, well, there are a couple things that are pretty cool. One kind of neat thing that you can do is you can, if you don't, if if you want to, it has the option to set up the board any way you want. So you can like scatter the pieces all over the place and be like, all right, start from this, start from here. Uh, and so that's that's kind of neat to do maybe one time and then yeah, never again. Absolutely. Uh, oh yeah. The the rook is is cool because so the rook is like you know the castle piece for anybody who's not familiar with chess. And so you have all these like you know you got your knights and you got your king and queen like the pawns and they're all people. And then the castle piece is like, well, and then, you know, they're walking and stuff. So then you're like, well, how is this piece going to move? And then you move him. And the way the, the way the uh, rook moves is the castle like morphs into a rock monster and then walks to wherever it's supposed to be going. Cause it's like a, you know, it's like a stone castle. And so it becomes like a stone monster walks to its spot and then turns back into a castle. Uh, and, and the, whenever the, Rook, because it's a rock monster, the rook usually has the coolest ways of taking other pieces. Uh, there's one where I think if a rook takes another rook, then they kind of get in the fist fight for a second, and then like one the one that's taking the other one smashes the other one on the head, and it like splits in half and and falls down and, and dies. Jeez. When the um when the rook takes a queen, then he literally eats the queen. <laughs> He like oh picks God. he like picks her up and turns her upside down and just like crams uh, her into is his it, mouth. Probably for the podcast. <laughs> and so uh, the rook was fun to watch. Overall, uh, I don't see anybody modern day really getting much fun out of battle chess because, like I said, it's neat to watch for a few minutes, and then it just becomes a little bit of a hassle to play if you're just wanting to play a game of chess. So like, sounds interesting. Watch a YouTube video of it for a second, and you'll pretty much get your fill. Yeah, I definitely would uh, not do that, because my entire focus is on my moves. So it's like, if that was happening, I'd be so irritated. Oh, yeah. It really... <laughs> like, I take a while sometimes. Like, I take a while for my turns. And if, that, if I had to wait on that shit, too, uh-huh. no way. Yeah, exactly. Oh. Yeah. So, not fantastic. Oh. Battle Chess is a, is a cool idea. Um, you know, it probably, I don't know, It just it's just not really... I want to say that it was cool back in the day. I don't even really know if that's true. I just know it's a cool concept, but it's not actually uh, fun to play if you want to play chess. Good on paper, not in practice. Gotcha. Exactly. You can play against uh, another computer, or I'm sorry, another human player if you want to. You know, if you have somebody sitting there right next to you, you can do human versus human. Oh, that's cool. Hot seat. Okay. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. The, the AI seems pretty good. I played against, like, the easiest AI, and it seemed pretty competent at that level, and there were, like, seven, seven different levels of difficulty, so it seems like it gets pretty pretty tough. Of course, probably well, you also... you turned it up to seven, then, right? Oh, hell, shit, yeah. Okay, then we'll have a fight, then. 
that's it for me. So uh, there are my three games. What, what three games did you play, Jay? This week, I've been talking about this for a little while, and I finally started. I actually got a, a good copy. Um, I started playing Banjo Kazooie for the N64. And it, it, this oh, took really? me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, this took me a while to find a good copy for. I, I was so I got it on my old computer, which is you know like eight, eight, nine weeks ago, maybe a little bit less. And I started playing, and there was some issue with it. Like I couldn't get it running, and then I had some graphics errors, and then I couldn't get the screen to load. I'm like, oh shit, okay, maybe this is a little bit harder to find. So I tried a couple different ROMs, nothing. And I'm like, okay, maybe it's my computer. Maybe my computer just for whatever reason doesn't want to play Banjo Kazooie. So I got a new computer. Started messing with the ROMs again. Same thing. I kept having the same issue. I couldn't get it working. Oh, what the fuck's going on? Like, so I downloaded a, a different emulator and, and tried some other things and finally got it working. And man, was it worth it. This game is so fun. This game is so fun. Um, it, it starts off a little bit slow and the intro is way too long. It's like three or four minutes probably. And all of it is just pointless. It's, it's garbage dialogue with some stupid humor and you know just whatever you, like you, this kind of game you just want to get in to start playing right, right like yeah, you want to hit yeah. start and then have a button that says please skip all the fucking cutscenes, hit b or whatever yep. um and then the game kind of starts off slow but when it gets going man is it fun so the first <laughs> level is a training level and you kind of travel around this level you get to interact with different mechanics you talk to this mole he teaches you all these different mechanics you have and I did not remember there being so many different mechanics in this game. I, I remember it being a platformer, a collectathon, or sorry, just a collectathon, I guess is what I put it. Um, but I don't remember it being so versatile. And so the, the kind of abilities you have, you have, you have your basic jump, you have some sort of melee attack. But you forget that you have the bird. So, so Banjo's a bear, Kazooie is a, a bird. She's a bird that sits in your backpack. And she has different <laughs> uses um, that... Really, they're, they're kind of they're more unique. I mean, you sit for the most part as banjo, uh, but then Kazooie has certain mechanics where um, she'll take over. So, for instance, instead of you or her sitting in your backpack, suddenly she's walking and banjo's resting on her back, and this hmm. allows you to walk up hills and you move a little bit faster. But the, the animation for it is hilarious, and she makes this really funny. And I was like, <laughs> as she's moving, and it's just. It's just funny, but it's also really useful. So I was like, okay, this is kind of a nice ability. Then you get your basic ground pound, so that you have that. And I was like, okay, that's cool. And then you get like a new attack for Banjo. Like It's just kind of like a, a swipe type attack. I was like, okay, this is interesting. But then it kept going. And then I got um, this this flying ability. It requires this, this specific resource to use, but it's really, really useful. Again, situational, but very useful. And then I got eggs. Well, actually, got, I got eggs first. Eggs, eggs were before the feathers, but the eggs... You can shoot, so you can shoot them uh, directly in front of you, or you can lay them behind you. And when you lay them behind you, it's pretty funny, because it pretty much comes out of Kazooie's ass, which is in the backpack. And so <laughs> it's just funny to see this egg just kind of fall out the backside as you're walking. Um, but, but all these things have different mechanics. They all have, all have different uses. And so I was like, this is really cool. There's a lot of stuff that I could do uh, throughout the game. It, it, you, your, your mind starts wondering, like, okay, what, what sort of combinations can I do? And then you have, like, this double jump kind of hover mechanic. And then you have this jump slash attack where Kazooie pecks a bunch of times out of the backpack. And so you have all these different things. And it's interesting because all you want to do is explore the levels and, and abuse them almost mm-hmm. by using all these different mechanics you have. And it, it's fun. And you, you get your mind going and it gets very creative. Graphics are N64, so that, that is what it is. It's nothing nothing exceptional, but it's it's enough to where you aren't visually displeased. It's just kind of the baseline. But the music is very good. Um, common word I use, atmospheric, but it is. It really does kind of set the pace and tone for a lot of the levels. Uh, obviously, you know, the different types of music, 
add or take away from certain ty- certain um, sort of sceneries, I guess you could say. Um, it's a very fun game. There is a lot to do. There's a lot of different items to collect. I will say it almost gets to a point where there's too many things to collect, so you kind of lose track of everything. Like, oh, you yeah. can collect these music notes. Yeah, you can collect these music notes, and if you get 100 in a level, then it unlocks something. But then you also have to collect these little dudes, like they're different colored dudes. There's like six of them, I believe. Uh, they're hidden throughout the levels. Then you also have the puzzle pieces, which unlock all the different levels. Oh, Plus you have the feathers, which allow you to fly. You have the eggs, which allow you to shoot. You have a health bar. That's six right there. And I'm, I'm sure I'm forgetting a few. Do you, do you have to get all of all of those? Or is it like some puzzle of are pieces just... are required? Music uh-huh. notes are required. The dudes, I don't know. I don't know if they're required. I think they might be a sort of scavenger thing. Um, the feathers are required to an extent because there's certain levels you can't bypass without them. And same thing for the eggs, but the eggs and feathers, you can collect up to a hundred, I believe. And they, they travel with you throughout the levels. They're like a resource of yours. Uh, yeah. I mean, the story, the two things I will say, don't look at the storyline. Don't look at the humor. Uh, don't look at the graphics. Graphics are okay. Uh, but the gameplay is super fun. Again, it it really gets your mind going. It's very, makes you sort of start being creative. I actually skipped a few mechanics just by doing some interesting jump mechanics. The jump mechanics in the game are very, very, uh, very fun. You can do things like you can do a, a roll, like a tuck and roll towards the edge of something, and you get like an extra boost when you jump. So you like tuck, roll, jump, and then double jump, and then you do another roll to finish it off, and you can get like a pretty good speed going. So there's like, it's fun. Like I said, you, you, your mind starts getting creative, and you want to sort of trick the levels or bypass certain mechanics just to see what you can accomplish. Uh, this game is very fun. I will probably be playing this for the next couple of weeks, I would say. So I may talk about this again. Cool. But I'm having a lot of fun with it so far. So you said the level design is pretty good too? Yeah, it's fun. So far at least. I, I haven't noticed too much repetitiveness, which I'm sure it'll get to that point. But yeah, so far it's been it's been refreshing and kind of interesting and it's it's kept me busy. It's kept me interested. This is... I had, I've never played any of the Banjo-Kazooie. There's more than one, right? There's like a couple of them, aren't there? Yeah, yeah, there's Banjo 2. I think there's actually two or three, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I've never played any of them. I wish that I had, but I, but I just... It's like... It was it was never one that I was really interested in. But like, now People when I see are, it... Uh, highly regard them. Yeah, when I see them now, I'm like, yeah, you know, those look like... Yeah, even if maybe they don't like hold up, which maybe they do, like it's like, oh, I bet I would have really enjoyed that, <laughs> you know, back in the day. So watching somebody speedrun it actually is what got me playing it. To be honest, like I just oh, yeah? I watched somebody speedrun it, and I was like, man, I really got to play Magic. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> cool. Well, you went. Yours was a lot shorter than mine. Were <laughs> mine usually is. I, I just I don't have as much to say as you do. You're not, a bit more, not as cool. As you. No, well, you're more succinct at least. Uh, okay, sweet, Banjo-Kazooie, there we go. You probably, that was probably, wait, what, what was my first one that I, that I, did? I think it was oh, shorter was than your first yes. one. No, so, yours was better than, like, all of mine combined, basically. Probably, I mean, the first one you seemed to, to like, well, not like, but no. talked about a lot. Yeah, <laughs> there we go. <laughs> qualify? No. Uh, let's do, oh. top, let's do top fives. Is that all right with you? Yeah. So there's two that I want to put as my number one, if that's okay with you. Uh, you can do whatever you want to do. Okay. I was going to move them up to like an S rank, but <laughs> okay. it's just not quite there. So the top five is games you wish you could play again for the first time. Um, so would it be in that era or would it be now? 
because it changes for me. I was kind of thinking, uh, you can say however you wanted to, but I, I thought of it in terms of if I, if I was playing it now. You're playing it now for the first time? Yeah. I'm playing it in that era. Okay, so. that's fine, too. That's fine. I'm going to roll dice. I'll go, I go first on this one, too. You're such loaded dice. I know. GM who cheats. My number five is Loom. Because this is wow. a point-and-click adventure game that I have really fond memories of. And uh, there are a lot of things that I still do like about it. Some things that don't hold up as well. But, um... One like the reason I choose this one is because, again, it's a point-and-click adventure game. It's a LucasArts game, but it it does such a different, like basic gameplay mechanic than any other point-and-click adventure game. That it's uh, it's I imagine playing it for the first time now would be really refreshing. Is like, oh wow, this is a point-and-click that does something different from all the other ones. So uh, that's that's what I'm going for on this one. Cool. What about you? Uh, my number five is StarCraft. Um, I was I wanted to pick an RTS, and I was struggling between this, Age of Empires 2, and Warcraft. And this <laughs> is one of, one of the reasons why I wanted to ask about in that era, because StarCraft is an excellent game, and Brood War still holds up today. Obviously, like we've talked about numerous times, there are still people playing it professionally, but StarCraft, and I'm specifically this is StarCraft Brood War, my, my apologies for not clarifying, yeah. but um, this is such a fun game, and especially at the time, I was so blown away at, at how incredible Incredible! This game was from the music to the story, which was was very good for the time. I would say it's not as good now, but enjoyable story keeps you going. But the gameplay and the strategy, especially at this time when people were starting to grasp balance and design for RTSs, this was just such an excellent title. And I loved playing one v ones. I loved playing on the ladder. I loved playing use map settings. And this, if, if this is one of those games that I could go back and play again for the first time, oh. It, it, it definitely would would be one of my choices. <laughs> nice, that's a, that's a good one. I, I I gave that one definitely a lot of thought on this list. My number four is NBA Jam. Oh man, I had this and Blitz on it first. Did you really? <laughs> yeah, because it's obviously NBA Jam is a very different take on the basketball game genre, and uh, I just imagine like if there wasn't anything like this. Then playing this for the first time, I feel like I haven't played it in a very long time, but I have. This seems like a game that would really hold up pretty well, and uh, and it's just purely based on like it's like they took basketball and they were like, let's just make the most fun game that we can. That happens to be a basketball game, and this is what they did. They did a great job with it, so I think this one would be really fun to play for the first time again. Cool. Uh, my number four is Super Smash Brothers for the GameCube. This is uh, this was an excellent game, especially when it first came out. Um, I spent a ton of time playing this, an absolute ton of time playing this. And not only what was so funny is I got this game, and I played hours of single player between the home run derby where you had to hit the I don't know if it was called the home run derby, but the one where you hit the punching bag with the baseball bat to the target games to just playing the game through. But that's before I started playing multiplayer, and that's when it started to actually become a thing and everybody in my neighborhood had the game. So we started playing all the time. Mm-hmm. And I just remember the first time seeing all these characters in this fighting game. And it mm-hmm. completely blew my mind because it just didn't make sense. <laughs> you know, you're taking these characters that yeah. just, you, you don't expect them to be in that kind of light and they are. And it's just, it was so fun to play. And again, another game that just would be super duper fun to just experience for the first time. 
I think that's a really good way of describing it. Like it doesn't make sense, but it's like, well, here they are. Do have yeah. you know have fun. All right, number three is Tie Fighter. This is such a great game. It holds up so well, and it's so uh, detailed. And like this is the the way I describe Tie Fighter is it makes you actually feel like you are piloting a Tie Fighter. And, uh, or, you know, whatever specific ship it happens to be that you're piloting on whatever given mission. Like, whether it's a bomber or, you know, whatever. But, like, it really feels like you're like, oh, this is really what it would be like to, to do a TIE Fighter. When this game first came out, I played it nonstop for so long just because it was so fun. And just given how well it holds up today, I feel like if this game had never come out and it came out, you know, tomorrow and I started playing it, I, I really feel like I would feel the same way I did when it came out, you know, 20 years ago or 25 years ago or how, whatever it was. So It's so crazy to think about this. Yeah. yeah. Am I lagging right now? Am I good? Uh, you're good. Okay. Perfect. Uh, is that all you had to say? Yep. Okay. Uh, my number three is Majora's Mask. Um, this is a game I've talked about several times in the podcast. I talked about why this game is so important to me, but the first times I played this game, I was just absolutely absorbed into it. Like, just, just dropping into... The game starts out very quickly, and then you get dropped into this world. You get you, you have this main task in mind. You're in this city. The music starts, and it's day one. And it's like, the world is your oyster. There's anything you can do. You can travel any direction, <laughs> meet different characters, experience different events that happen at specified times. There's all these little tasks that you can do to collect hearts and different items along with masks and oh man i played this game so much at first and it just it just drew me in i just love it i wish i could experience that for the first time that's good that's a good one all right number two i'm gonna go with an entire series but if i have to pick just one game it'll be it would be the first one so whichever way you want it uh metal gear solid (laughs) just because it's so not only do i obviously really enjoy the games but uh like they are so off the wall and so different from everything else and so different like from what you expect if you go into it totally blind and you kind of know like the basics of the game like oh you're looking at maybe the box art or something it's like okay i see this is like a stealth kind of like action game then once you get into it it has so many unexpected things so many very creative things that uh, I just would really like to play this whole series again, just kind of have my mind blown. Like, holy shit, I can't believe... Like, what what in the hell is going on in this game? How do they come up with all this? I think that would be really fun. So, so let me ask you this. Would you, wanna, would you want to experience a specific title for the first time or the first one that you played for the first time, like your first Metal Gear? Um, I don't think any of them in particular. I think... Uh... Just go. I think just playing any game in the series completely blind, with without any knowledge of the series in general. So gotcha. the first one that I ever played was the second one. So you know, take that for what it's worth. But you know, if I was starting over and, and like starting from scratch, and like I really could wipe them from my memory, then I would start off with the first one and just go from there. I like it. All right. All right. My number two. Um, this has to be on here. This is uh, this is World of Warcraft. Um, oh shit! It, oh yeah, of course. It, this this could be in any era. I, I would not even like thirty years from now. I could play World of Warcraft for the first time and still be absolutely blown away. And I can guarantee this because I experienced vanilla World of Warcraft for the first time really in depth 
three or four years ago, and it was still enthralling. Like, it was just so enjoyable. Um, I'm not going to say too much on this game because obviously I've talked about this many, many times, but any, it's just it's just crazy to me that if I could experience this game for the first time again, I would probably take all my PTO off work and, and degenerate <laughs> into a puddle by the end of it. Like, I, I probably would end up losing my job, to be honest with you. <laughs> That's, I'm saying, like, it'd be... I don't mean to sound like concerned, but it would be uh it'd be a very, very enjoyable couple nice. months. That's awesome. All right, number one for me is a game that you mentioned briefly a few minutes ago, Warcraft three. Oh just, man. Just that be- high up. Uh, yeah, because it had so much variety with the four different races, really unique, you know, all obviously all different uh, units for each race. Then, you know, any strategy game that has variety also, like you, you can get so many, so it has so much replayability because, you know, every game is going to go a little bit differently. And then there's also, you know, the campaign versus playing online. And then you got, you know, so many different races to try out and have fun with and play around with. Just, uh, I, I feel like even, even if it was, you know, like, you know, not even taking into account when it came out, like even if it was an old game that I'm playing, you know, now for the first time, 20 years or just about 20 years later, I still feel like Warcraft three would hold up pretty well. I think so too. The mechanics alone are just, it's still playing, playing it this past year, last year and a half that I have, I was still impressed with a lot of the mechanics. It's, It's just, and even the story, like the story is so good for the time. And even today, like, yeah, you're preaching at the choir here. <laughs> yeah, I thought so. So my number one, um, as I kind of alluded to with you privately before we started this, is actually a tie. And I want to talk about both these games in depth because this is kind of why I kept my game a little bit shorter. This is this is Final Fantasy X and Final Fantasy Tactics. Both these games, I have talked about how much I love and adore them many, many times on the podcast. But this specific top five had to be these two. The reason is, and I'm going to start with Final Fantasy Tactics first, because it's probably better. So Final Fantasy Tactics, the first time I played this game, uh, this was, I think this came out just after Final Fantasy IX, just before the PS2 came out, maybe a year or two before. It was, it was around that time. Mm-hmm. And there was this kind of lull where we were waiting for, for something new, and we were all anticipating Final Fantasy X, and Final Fantasy Tactics comes out. And I remember the first time I loaded my PlayStation... I'm getting chills right now talking about this. But I remember <laughs> the first time I loaded it in my PlayStation... And I turn it on, and the music, the intro music starts. I love the intro music to this game. I think it's absolutely fascinating. It sets this basic scenery, uh, and then you're dropped right into it. And I was like, whoa, this is not the Final Fantasy combat that I expected. I was used to the turn base, the 3v3s, just kind of accustomed to that at that point. And it's like this chess, which I was very into chess when I was younger, mm-hmm. uh, kind of format, obviously, because it's a strategy-based RTS, or excuse me, RPG. And I started playing, and I was absolutely absorbed into it. It was, without question, spent tons and tons of time uh, playing through this. Especially, My first sitting was so long. I, lo- I completely lost track of time. And I love that game. I-, I burned through that game very, very quickly. I've played through it dozens of times, tried all different combinations of characters and classes, still enjoy the story, still enjoy the music. And if I could experience that for the first time again, oh, just that's all I need to say. Then you have Final Fantasy X. This is Final Fantasy. I mean, Final Fantasy X. It, it had such a high marker to hit. This was the tenth installment of the game. This was the first one for the PS2. Expectations were at the, the highest point they could possibly be, and it hit it. It hit it on multiple accounts. Final Fantasy X starts out where you. It's just 
how does the actual game start? I'm trying to because I, I can kind of set the mood for it. So, oh, that's what it is. Okay. So the very beginning of the game, when you start the game, it starts out by showing all the characters sitting around a campfire, and then the main character, Titus, stands up, and there's this very sad, dreary music playing, piano-oriented. He walks to this edge, and he basically says, this is my story, or listen to my story. And it does a, a time, you know, jumps back in time, and suddenly he's this famous blitzball player, and you're like, okay, this is kind of weird. I saw this sort of rundown ruin-esque area. Now we're in this futuristic society. Okay, I'm kind of intrigued. Slows mm -hmm. down a little bit, and then you see him play Blitzball for the first time, and all hell breaks loose. And to what soundtrack? Ramstein. Ramstein. <laughs> oh, that's was, right. Was their yeah. choice, and it's just it goes from this kind of peaceful futuristic city to all hell breaking loose, and then you get absorbed into this creature, and then you get spit out into this island, and you're like, I'm in. Like this, this, this is good enough for me. I want to know what the hell happened. And I remember the, the first time I played through this, I played very, very quickly to the very last portion of the game. And I, I thought I knew it was going to happen. And I delayed the inevitable as long as possible because I didn't <laughs> want, want what I thought was going to happen, happen. And it, and it completely just dominated me. It was a perfect uh, time for me. Uh, at, I was at a specific age where the story really got me and the ending was, I had never seen that kind of ending twist before. So it really, really got me. Like, you know, the first time you see you know, movies kind of follow the same sort of patterns and there's not really any super surprises now Now at our ages. Yeah. Remember the first time you saw specific arcs and you're like, whoa, I've never seen that before. Right, right. And then somebody goes, well, that's been done like four times before. Yeah. That's what this was. And it just, it really, really got me good. And both <laughs> of these games, I'd pay money to be able to experience a, a, a uh, first time playthrough. I knew that... Um... I'm not surprised by either of these, but I knew for sure oh, yeah. that Final Fantasy Tactics would be uh, was going to be on yours. Oh yeah, I mean, yeah, uh, I mean, I've talked talked about these games probably for hours on this podcast now, but oh, yeah. I keep, keep keep preaching it, and hopefully people listen. Hopefully, no, no, no. If people don't enjoy these games, I don't want them to to, to force it. I mean, if you don't enjoy certain game styles, you're not going to enjoy. Probably not going to enjoy these, especially not as much as I do. Sure. We so don't I'll probably play both these games this year too. <laughs> we don't have another on top five for next for the next episode. I just realized. Interesting. Do you have any? Do you have any thoughts? Do you have any ideas? Top five honey pop games. Hell yeah! Top five honey pop girls. How about that? Top five. I wouldn't, I wouldn't even know where to start. Top five real doll um, dolls. Stop. <laughs> uh, okay. My favorite one is the one that comes in the inside box. Real quick before we go on to emails, I forgot to read this last time, but for the uh, for the top five games that um, we've never played list, Jonathan actually tweeted us his top five, and I forgot to read it on the last episode. So, oh, re quick recap on that. So for the top five games that you think you would love, but you've never actually played them, uh, Jonathan's list is number five, Metal Gear Solid. Number four, StarCraft. Number three, Skyrim. Number two, Super Mario Galaxy. Dude, that was on mine. That was on mine as well. And number one, Breath of the Wild. Wow, that's a pretty good list. That's a like super it. good list, actually. And uh, okay, so we'll come up with the top five and uh, let everybody know. And now it's time for emails.
Let's see. If you don't mind, I'm going to let you start off because my, my sure. throat's, my voice is starting to go. A little let me guess, you found bit. the longest human possible email to give me first. Basically. I just took, I'm just taking them in order. I'm just taking them in order. Oh, something I forgot to mention during our top five was a big inspiration for mine were, were music related, actually. Some of the soundtracks that are oh, really? some of the games I mentioned, the first time I heard them, oh man, I remember some, some of the soundtracks in WoW. Oddly enough, WoW, some of the environmental music that came in, it really got me. Like, I was like, holy shit, like this is setting a perfect tone. There, there's one in particular, hmm. for anybody who's played original WoW, it's, it's uh, Ashenvale. The Ashenvale soundtrack, even today, is still a very good soundtrack. And it's short, so it loops kind of uh, quite a bit. But man, I remember the first couple times I heard that soundtrack, I was like, I want to level in this zone as long as humanly possible. That's awesome. That's wow, you said? Yeah, yeah. Cool. Okay, uh, so who's this from? Yeah, I'm sorry, this is from Ben. Ben says, hello, Classic Gaming Podcast. Hello, Ben. He says, it's been far too long since I sent out an email instead of just firing random tweets at you all. And in honor of your recently completed 100th episode, shout out to Jay and Rob for not killing each other during this behemoth. It was close. I I will say this, Ben. It was pretty close at times because I I won't mention any names, but (laughs) there were particular parties involved who who were, how do we do this? They were technologically challenged. Let's word it like that. What does that even mean? I don't even know what you're referring to right now. Do you remember how? Remember you lost portions of it. Oh, we never mind. We don't. Yeah. Jesus. Okay. Yeah. Don't I tried to. I tried to not disclose the the <laughs> culprit here. Let's but. just forget about that. It ever happened. Mm, yeah, we we pretty much have to forget about it because you didn't record it. <laughs> <laughs> See, I made it easy on us. Yeah. Um, he said. He goes on to say, "I thought it was <laughs> finally time to send something in. Uh, first of all, the other emailers are getting." Getting together for the top five episodes was excellent. I enjoyed reminiscing over all the good times. That was, that was awesome. Honest. Hold on. Real quick. I just want to say thank you again. Because I think when I when we were doing all that, I was like so tired. I almost couldn't even process oh, yeah. how awesome it was. But that was. It was really cool and really funny. It was really fun, really funny. And it was an awesome way to end like a long ass evening. It was, it was a really yeah, nice exactly. surprise. Yeah. So thank you again, all it. you guys who did that. Uh, he said, I enjoyed reminiscing over all the good times. And I'll be honest, during a long drive this past weekend, I had to go back and re-listen to the Kingdom Hearts rant. <laughs> he says, still holds up, Robert. Nice. If, if I ever stream, that's going to be my donation stream. It's just going to be pieces of that. <laughs> okay. Uh, in my very first email, which I sent back in 2014, I mentioned vaguely that I was thinking of yeah. trying out Final Fantasy Tactics. There we go. Here we go, boys. I says, well, here we go. Here we are four years later, and I finally started playing it. Oh, shit. Not counting the few, not counting the few aborted attempts where I, have no, where I had no idea what was going on. He says, I'm loving the gameplay so far, but the storyline hasn't picked up quite yet. From what I understand, the beginning starts a little slow, so I'm willing to stick it out for that. It does start a little bit slow. Um, if you, um, um, This is me talking. If you play the uh, one for PSP, the animations sort of keep you intrigued a little bit longer. I don't know which version you're playing. Uh, he goes on to say, Rob, I finished Thimbleweed Park late last year. Oh, cool. Uh, and I absolutely loved almost everything about it. The characters, the gameplay, the puzzles, and even the plot. Uh, I love me some Twin Peaks slash X-Files. Mm-hmm. But then at a certain point in the game, things changed. I no longer felt like I was playing a classic adventure game, but rather the, the developers were playing a cool joke on me. What a disappointment. Spoilers ahead. Spoilers, spoilers ahead for Thimbleweed Park. It's actually a newer game, so yeah, uh, how in the world can a game genre that relies so heavily on storytelling just completely tank its endgame like that? 
None of the characters got a real resolution except possibly Ghost Dad. I love the journey, but what the finale really put a bitter the but the finale really put a bitter taste in my mouth for the long game. But enough right. about that. I um, having listened. Oh, sorry, me, I want to just respond to that. I um, it's it's funny. I thought that the ending had some issues, but I didn't think that the ending necessarily had problems with not wrapping up everybody or not giving the characters a real resolution. Um, there's, and Ben will know what I'm talking about. There's a big final sequence where you kind of, it kind of goes through one character at a time and you like finish the story for each individual character. And, uh, I actually thought I, some of it, some of it story wise, left like uh some some questions and some holes and stuff but i thought that the actual resolutions that the characters got were actually pretty good and for me a lot of them were really pretty moving uh even like ransom the clown his ending like i was like oh geez this is actually really pretty good um and i really felt that that way about most of the characters i i really again i was really moved by the ending for most if not all of them i thought that their personal stories were wrapped up very well. Now, what I think, where I think that, it, that I would have liked to see some other stuff and that some other, that I've heard the same thing from some other people is that uh, there, there were some part, like some specific details, like not really much overarching stuff, but there were some kind of specific plot things where it's like, well, hold on. Like this never was answered and this never was answered. And I would have liked to know, to have known like, you know, what was going on here and there. And they sort of left that up in the air. Uh, Ron Gilbert has kind of responded to all this. And he's sort of said like that he wasn't really interested in like, in a lot of the very specific details of what was happening. And he sort of is meant for it to be taken overall a little bit more, uh, I think allegorical than, uh, than a lot of us did. But I, I will say that I honestly thought that the ending was was really well done. Even though I, I've I've heard the same complaint, and I know not everybody agrees, but but I but I honestly think that the ending was was pretty well done. All right, go on. Cool. Um, <clears throat> let's see. He says, but enough about that. Having listened to more hours of you two than it is healthy in the past few days, I thought I'd give. I thought I would note a quirk I've noticed on the show. I bet it has to do with uh, using RTS. No, it has nothing to do with that actually at all. Uh, he says, fun, in parentheses, wait, games. Wait, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. I think you skipped, the, you skipped what he's saying. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Uh, he says, I call this the Jay's system of game ratings from the lowest to the highest. I okay, know this is going. here we go. <laughs> he says, fun, games that Jay enjoys. Okay. Very unique, game <laughs> games Jay enjoys more. Oh my god, this is going to be a fucking tongue twister. Super fun, games Jay really enjoys. I can hear you saying it. And, and super duper fun, games Jay really, really enjoys. I'm sure you're sick of this email by now, so I'll end it with a question. That's good. That is absolutely true, and I try not to use the same verbiage, but... I can hear you, super duper fun. Really difficult. Super duper fun. Yeah, there it is, there it is. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna use some newer terms like kick ass and uh, seven out of seven radical radical oh, that's a good one Final Fantasy ten out of ten audacious <laughs> so Final Fantasy ten out of ten um, <laughs> uh, Are you guys familiar with much with the video game related music I don't mean specifically remixes of video game music but bands who incorporate video game concept into their music I'm thinking specifically of a band called the Proto Men 
who have two concept albums that are a retell. A retell? Uh, hold on. Maybe I didn't. I'm Is there more to the email? Probably. Let me let me quick. Okay. Oh say, yeah. I'm uh, sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, I missed part of it in the copy paste. Here we go. That are. Um. Uh, let's see. Who have two concept albums that are retelling of the Mega Man story with some some twists? Oh, interesting. Okay. That is interesting. I'd love to hear your take on them. And if you wanted to listen to a song or two, I'd suggest Unrest in the House of Light from the first album or Father of Death from the second album for a taste of the idea. Or if you're familiar with any other artists doing similar work. Until next time, Ben. Thank you very much. Now let's take a look at that. It's interesting. Yeah, I'm not familiar with them. I can't think of anybody that really fits what he's asking. Um, can you? No, actually. Uh, no, no, definitely not. It's 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 a the beginning concept is something I've heard of a few times, but the end of it, the fact that their storytelling end add twist to it, no, it really takes it away yeah. from me. No, same here. I'll have to check this out. I'm I'm, I'm interested for sure. Okay, um, next email. How about you just read every email this time? Yeah, you can go fuck yourself. Right. Holy shit! You gave I gave I get the long one. <laughs> Alright, not, not that I'm complaining, it's just only because my throat's, my voice is going out a little bit. But here we go. This is from Father Beast. He says, hey, it's Father Beast. After listening to Ooh. the ill-advised six-hour show, I found myself interested the whole time, uh, though I can appreciate that you guys were getting tired by the end. I myself had to listen to your show in several installments to be able to finish it. Yeah, I imagine that's how most people probably had to do it. At the beginning of your show, you asked your plethora of guests, what? No Blake? to give their personal top five games of all time. I immediately thought of how I challenged my son, called Seeker Erebus, to do the same thing back in 2016, but since I knew he usually liked the newest things, I said that games that actually came out in 2016 were ineligible. Otherwise, I'm sure that, that Doom 2016 would have had a place on his list. So I will cut and paste the emails that we sent to each other here. Uh, Father Beast's list. My criteria does he? He doesn't say how old his son was, does he? Yeah, I, don't, I, I since he's saying they emailed back and forth, I imagine that he's uh, you know like a little bit older. So anyway, uh, Father Beast's list. My criterion is that all of these games hold up despite despite all the time that has passed. I still want to play all of these. Uh, number he he starts off with number one. So I'll just do them in the order that he gives them. Number one, the Urquan Masters. I was given, this is a version of uh, Star Control 2, or it might be the version of Star Control 2. He says, I was given a thrift shop copy of Star Control 2 for Christmas one year, and I thought I would be fine with the copy protection since the manual was included. I spent time reading the manual and getting hyped to play the game, but when I, when I installed it, I discovered that I, need, that I needed the star map in order to get past the copy protection. I couldn't play. Years later, when the free remake became available... I naturally got it. Okay, oh yeah, yeah, so the Urquan Masters was like a free remake, that's right. I naturally got it over a dial-up modem, but I was worried if playing it could po could possibly live up to the hype in my head. The answer is it was even better. All the interactions with all those weird aliens are quite entertaining, and exploring the dauntingly huge galaxy keeps turning up new things to check out. Always worth replaying. The Irish, this is, I, I really need to get to this one eventually, or soon, I mean. Uh, number two, Civilization 4. Complete. I bet you're happy about that one. 
Of course, you knew some version of Civilization uh, would be on this list. Civ 4 is the ultimate expression of the game that started uh, that started in Civilization 1, 1991. Civ 5 started becoming a whole other game, cool in its own right, but not the same thing. The building of a society from prehistoric times to modern stuff is always irresistible, and no game gives you options on how to go about it like Civ 4. Plus, there are hundreds of scenarios and mods to try out, should you, should you get momentarily bored with the main game. The Civ 4 Complete Edition also includes Civ 4 Colonization, a modern update of another entire game uh, from Yore. Number three, Heroes of Might and Magic 2. Oh! Uh, yeah, weren't you talking about... This one was on your list three. last... Yeah. Three! Oh, three was. Okay, okay. Three is... Yeah. I haven't heard people praise the second one very much. That's interesting. He says, while Civ 4 is the ultimate expression of Civ, Heroes found its ideal version in the second outing. Ever since then, successive versions of Heroes of Might and Magic have basically given you a revision of Heroes 2. I still play and bu- I still buy and play them as they come out, but this is the one that really shines. The first Heroes of Might and Magic was a really charming game, but it had a lot of problems. Heroes of Might and Magic 2 fixed all of those problems and kept the charm. I so, may play this game. I may buy this game right now, actually. That's funny. <laughs> that's, that's great. I'm serious. Because like, I'm, I'm, the third one is so good, but I've... That's oh, interesting. Okay. Oh, that's so Great. good. I want, uh, I want to hear what your thoughts are eventually after you play it. I'm actually just playing this for the podcast, to be honest with you. That'd be, that'd be, that'd be awesome. Uh, he says, some of the later versions just didn't have that same feel, and some were charming while introducing new gameplay problems. This one got it right. Number four, The Curse of Monkey Island. So wait, pause for a second. I want to, uh, so let me ask this, and if you want to respond either via tweet or another email. Mm-hmm. What do you think of the third one? Not you specifically. This is for Father Beast. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, Father Beast. I'm asking, so I'm curious what you think of the third one because the third one was supposed to be exactly what you said about the first one. It was supposed to be a more updated, refined uh, from the second one. I know the graphics are better too and I've, I've heard some of the mechanics are a little bit more interesting as well. So I'm kind of curious to hear your thought. How about this? I'll tell you about the second one when I play it and you tell me about what you think of the third one. Nice. I'll okay. I'll draw. Yeah, so write in and tell us what why it is that you like... Uh, that you don't like as much about the third one. Yeah, I'm very curious. So number four, he has The Curse of Monkey Island. Uh, While the adventure games most people talk about are Monkey Island 2 and Day of the Tentacle, neither one quite reached the heights of Curse of Monkey Island. This is the only game that made me feel as if I were the star of a comedy movie. That's awesome. I've heard so many people praise Curse of Monkey Island so much, and I cannot wait to get farther into it. I want... I, I'm on GOG looking at Heroes of Might Magic, and that is literally what was on my screen as soon as you started talking. <laughs> it's a it's for anybody who can't listen. I'm on the front page of GOG, and the first image that comes up is the Curse of Monkey Island. Curse of Monkey right, Island. As we're yep. talking about it. Yep. Um, number five, Minecraft. The most open world of all open world games. The possibilities are endless, and everything you want to do takes a lot of work. A replacement for your real life, since you are not man enough in real life to saddle a pig and ride it off a cliff. I have played for hundreds of hours without even touching huge sections of the game, and the mods for this thing take choice and opportunity to ridiculous levels. So it's, let me ask you this: if, What's your thoughts? I'm actually kind of curious now, since we're talking about opinions of different games. Curious what what uh, Father Beast's opinion is on Terraria. It's, it's, oh, okay. It's interesting. It's it's usually people are usually one or the other. I, I've met too many people who are, who play both of them. Cool. We like both of them, I guess. All right. And he says, honorable mentions, Master of Orion, Diablo, 
And mm. games I've heard uh, may be great, but I haven't actually played them. Sins of a Solar Empire and Stellaris. And now here's his son, Seeker Erebus's list. Um, so this is, this is his son talking. Since you asked, I put this list together. It's not a top five single player games list because there are really good multiplayer titles and single player. Wait, hold on. Sorry. It's not a top five single player games list because there are really good multiplayer titles and single player games are increasingly online involved. I can put one together later if you want. Uh, I'm not sure what he means by that exactly because it looks like these are single player games. But anyway, regardless, here's his list. Number one, Deus Ex Human Revolution Director's Cut. Fantastic story, extremely solid gameplay, still incredibly enjoyable to run a playthrough even at this point I've memorized most of the dialogue. Wow, he's played that many times. A fair number of guard routing and a number of passwords. The director's cut adds the fantastic Missing Link DLC into the main game, greatly improves the boss fights. Uh, I heard that was a really big problem originally with this game. Uh, he says they were really difficult to beat for a stealth or hacky character in the original design. Now the options for fighting them are as numerous as other areas of the game. Uh, and adds a new game plus system that went outright that while outright making you OP is still quite nice. It's at the top of it's at the top of my list, however, because it has helped mold my views on transhumanism. Uh, I'm sorry, on transhumanism and the few versus many in a way no other source has. Plus, the music is unmatched. The main theme is a haunting piece that sends shivers down my spine just thinking about it. He made me really want to play that just now. I uh, when this came out, I, I I really liked the first Deus Ex and the second one that came that was this you know a sequel to it a long time ago. I thought was really good, uh, but I never finished that second one. And then when this one came out, it sounded really interesting, but I. Uh, but I heard the thing about the boss fights. The boss fights were supposed to be like really bad. And I was like, uh, you know, I'm not, I don't really feel like playing this at this time, especially if it's got this big flaw. But now that they fixed all that, I've, I've heard so many good things that I think I might have to get around to this eventually. Number two, The Witcher 3 Wild Hunt with Expansion. In my opinion, the best RPG ever made. And there are some really good ones. Everything in this game drips immersion from your armor looking and acting like actual armor instead of a reskin on your body to the storms that shake apart the trees and shrubbery shrubbery that makes you feel like you are in a real storm in a way no other game has and so much more. The world feels very real and the problems the common folk deal with are harsh and painful, which you would expect in the middle of a war. The side quests are as fleshed out as the main quest, with several of them being more intricate and meaningful than the main quests of other great RPGs, Skyrim for instance. Many of the characters are so well-developed, they feel real, that my interactions with them, uh, I treat them as real people instead of NPCs, and I really care about some of them. The love triangle that exists between Geralt, Yennefer, and Triss allows for best game romance I've ever encountered, being not a choice between two different characters, but more a choice for Geralt between who he is, Yennefer, and who he wants to be, Triss. The gameplay is also extremely well-designed, and feeds back into the feel of immersion. The expansion adds a fantastic devil story that's highly enjoyable to play, and a land, uh, and a land and people right out of a fairy tale that makes for a very fitting finale to the game and series as a whole. In conclusion, it may be a long time before an RPG anywhere near this good comes out again, and I relish every moment of my time spent playing with it. Well, <laughs> spent spent playing it. Number three, Metal Gear Solid Five: The Phantom Pain. While the story is kind of meh, the gameplay here is absolutely phenomenal. 
It's an extremely well-designed, systems-driven sandbox of a game. Systems-driven, so you know, means that the game is essentially a massive gearbox and the player is the wrench thrown in. So you essentially have a high emergent gameplay experience that can result in some fantastic stories of your own. I still remember one of my highlights. I was infiltrating one of the Soviet's main installations. Things were going mostly okay when I made a mistake that set off the alarm. A couple of seconds later, I had about 30 armed men trying very hard to kill me. I was equipped with a completely non-lethal loadout, which meant that my ability to fight back while present was limited. While I was able to Fulton about five guys, that, that's where you uh, attach the thing that makes them like get airlifted out. While I was able to Fulton out about five guys, pretty soon I was using a cargo container as cover, was very low on ammo, and was being flanked on both sides. Things were looking pretty grim. I called in an ammo drop, and as it arrived, I planned to do a possibly suicidal rush to pick it up when divine intervention happened. I was informed that a sandstorm was a minute out. I literally fist bumped the air. When it hit, I turned on my night vision, calmly grabbed the ammo, and proceeded to knock out the entire enemy force. I won because of a sandstorm. All of this happened in a free roam environment, and is still one of my favorite gameplay moments. And Metal Gear Solid V is really good at this kind of thing. All of its systems feed back into itself. You grab plants you find in the wild, not because you are collecting, but because those plants will let you make a better tranquilizer or a reflex mode drug. You use non-lethal tactics, not because you're trying to be a peaceful person, but because you want more people on your base, making more awesome gear, and giving you better intel. It's the best systems-driven game I've ever played, and the best sandbox I've ever played in, slightly beating out GTA V for that honor. Wow. Wow. That's, that's pretty good praise. Number four, Rocket League. While the top three games on my list were easy, four and five required some thought. Rocket League uh, definitely earns a place on this list. It's designed for multiplayer, so if the community ever dwindled too low, it would be less valuable. But that's unlikely because of what Rocket League is. Starting Rocket League for the first time, it's fun just it's fun just shoving the ball around. But later on, it becomes a game of skill that is just amazing. I am quite literally a god compared to how good I was when I first started playing. And the best in the world are gods compared to me. It's really fun to play, competitive without needing to be super serious, and doesn't get old. It's my second most played game on Steam by Pure Stats. Uh, Skyrim currently holds the record by a measly 32 hours, but I ex- but I fully expect to reach thousands of hours at some point. Nearly timeless, very fun, a fantastic game. And number five, he has Batman Arkham City, Game of the Year edition. The Arkham games are the proof that superhero games can actually be good. They did this by doing one thing. They successfully make you feel like Batman, and Batman is awesome. Of the three games, four if you include Origins, I don't. Uh, yeah, I think Origins is sort of, they've tried to make that as non-canon as they can. Uh, City uh, is the crowned king. The story is fantastic. The boss fight against Mr. Freeze is easily one of the best ever created, and it's incredibly solid across the board. Batman kicks ass in the combat encounters with the animations taking a relatively simple design and making it feel badass at every step. But Predator <laughs> encounters are where things really shine. Essentially, stealth turned on its head. There's nothing quite like taking 10 thugs who are all like, we own, Gar- we own Arkham City, screw anyone else who thinks they do, and turning them into one guy who is so panicked he shoots at the slightest shadow right before you come out of that shadow and break his face. Truly a masterpiece of game design, and while I don't go back and play it that often, I come back to it from time to time just to just to enjoy a good thug beatdown. He says, honorable mentions. 
Uh, Mass Effect 2 as the highlight of the Mass Effect series, which stands as my favorite game series of all time. Middle Earth Shadow of Mordor for being the most enjoyable orc slaying game of all time. And finally, Saints Row 4 for being the funniest game ever made. And I'm fully aware that the Monkey Island games are a riot. I've never laughed as much uh, because of a game as I have playing Saints Row 4. Uh, I believe that. having I haven't played Saints Row 4, but I've played Saints Row 3. Saints Row 3, and I do I do believe that claim. Oh, I played with you. Yeah, yeah. You that, that you thought that game was super funny too, right? I mean, like... Oh, yeah, it's hilarious. <laughs> it's hilarious. Uh, these were very long descriptions, but he did such a good job of making them all sound so, like, fucking awesome that, uh, like, it really makes me want to play all of these. Uh, I will not probably play Witcher 3 because I didn't love Witcher 1 and 2. But, uh, and, and I've played Arkham City, I've played a little tiny bit of Rocket League, but I haven't played Metal Gear Solid 5 yet. I would play that eventually anyways, just because it's Metal Gear Solid. But Deus Ex Human Revolution, he really got me interested in going back and, and visiting that, finally. Um, let's see, uh, Father Beast, go back to him. He says, thank you, and I hope these lists will give you some amusement. I can't help but notice that two of my top five games of all time are on Robert's top five games... That he thinks, oh, that, Robert's top five that he thinks should be on his top hundred. Uh, and so I guess those would have been, uh, oh, Curse of Monkey Island and uh, Star Control, I think was the other one. Um, and one of the games on Secret Erebus's top five games of all time is on Jay's top five games that he thinks should be on his top 100. So, uh, that, uh, I think that was Witcher 3, right? You had that one? Witcher 3? Yeah, didn't you say that that was... I'd have to look. It may have been. I No, actually... I don't want to say either way because I'm not sure. Okay. But regardless, you need to get no, on... You need to get on with playing these games, guys. Oh, and oh since, yeah. No, I've heard incredible things about them. Trust yeah, me. absolutely. Um, oh, no, no. My two would have been... Uh, I'm sorry. not star, I don't think I had Star Control. I had... Uh, um, Curse of Monkey Island was the other one. Oh, wait, no, it was that answer. I don't, I'm fucking confused. I don't know. Anyway, uh, he says, oh, and since you guys had members of Extra Lives on, you should appreciate, uh, you should appreciate video game themed music. I'm attaching a song by video. That's funny. Another video game music thing. I'm attaching a song by video game comedy music artist Insane Ian with a song which is appropriately about a game which he would love if he had ever played it. Uh, I'll link this to you, Jay, so you can listen to it as well. Um, oh, and since you sent an email, oh, and since, oh, no, I'm sorry. Oh, and since I sent you an email, I'm sure to listen to the next episode. That's good. Father Beast. Wow. That was a really good email. They both did a really good job. Standard. Standard. So that's a standard voice. (laughs) Really? Oh man. Okay. Now I really want to play Day's Sex Human Revolution. You know what? I bought uh, the original Deus Ex on GOG like a week, like a week or two ago because it was on sale for like $3. And I was like, oh, you know what? I could go back and play that. I really liked that when it first came out. I'm never going to have time to finish all these. <laughs> all right, next one. Jay, you got this. As soon as I paste it to you, you got this. Do, 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 do. 
Who's this? I'm sorry. This is from Sam. Sam. He says, holy crap, I will admit that my expectations were pretty high for episode 100. You guys absolutely blast, guys absolutely blasted right past those expectations and easily delivered the best six-hour podcast I've ever heard. Wow, so nice. Thank you, Sam. Amazing intro. I goes on to say, I will also admit that when I heard you guys had one, not one, not two, not three, not four, but five <laughs> guest hosts, I was hoping just a little bit that everyone would stick around and give their top 100 games Holy of all time. Shit. Yeah, that, we're not doing a 24-hour podcast. <laughs> it was six hours with me and Robert. Um, but, if there, but if there were, uh, he says, but if that were the case, you all might still be in the process of recording that episode. Yes. Uh, he goes on to say, I was happy to hear that SNES Drunk, Gaming J, two of the members of Extra Lives, and Chase the Night Cleaner all dropped by for a little while and generally have a good time. Really, you all outdid yourselves with episode 100. Also, props to everyone who wrote in for the episode. It was a lot of fun hearing everyone's favorite episodes of the podcast. However, I must apologize to Simon for not including her email in the list of people who were conspiring behind the scenes. When I wrote my email, I didn't know that she'd be participating as well. Though, in retrospect, of course, it makes sense that she would. So my apologies to you, Simon, for leaving you out of the email. Just in case you're still curious about Robert's girl laugh, go to episode 41, skip around 2 hours, 38 minutes, and 13 seconds, and listen for the next minute and a half or so. Episode, so worth it. Episode 4, hold on. 41, episode. hour 2, minute 38, second 13. Okay, I might have to. Tr- I might try to pull this up while you're. Um... Oh, you should do as the outro noise for the for the episode. <laughs> on top of the top, uh, he says, "On to the top five. I'm gonna leave uh, leave out the most obvious choices that everyone would likely say and go for some esoteric titles. So no Mario, nice. Pokemon, Final Fantasy. I'm sure everyone thinks I'm crazy for leaving out many iconic titles, but that's okay. Crazy is my middle name. Actually, I'm I'm actually uh, oh, this is kind of interesting. So he's a, uh, this is he his said, top five like favorite games, or favorite games that he has. Yeah, of all played. time without oh, any any of the Mario. I think he said Mario, Pokemon, Final Fantasy. I'm assuming that includes like Zelda as well. Okay. Uh, so he says number five, Castlevania, Aria, Aria of Sorrow. Is that you say Aria? Aria of Sorrow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Aria of Sorrow for GBA. Symphony of Night might be my favorite Castlevania game, but Aria of Sorrow is is a very close second. I sunk dozens of hours into this game and have 100% 100%ed it more than once. A great, me- great Metroidvania with tons of variety. Number four, No More Heroes for Wii. This game is insane. You run around killing thousands of mooks with a beam katana that is totally not a lightsaber. Defeat mooks? a bunch of wildly, I, I would assume some sort of, I don't know, sort of creature. Okay. Uh, defeat a bunch <clears throat> of wildly... Uh, varying bosses and earn money on the side by mowing lawns and pumping gas. I would love to relive the insanity again. Uh, number three, Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic for Xbox slash PC. My first Bioware RPG with a great, it has, excuse me, it says with a great story, memorable characters, and a fun battle system, I would love to go back and relive the big plot twist for the first oh, time. Oh, I remember that plot twist. That was a good one. Kirby Superstar for Super Nintendo. Just thinking about the possibilities that this game. Pr- presents to the first time player makes me want to play it again a massive selection of kirby adventure excuse me a massive selection of kirby adventures with tons of power-ups and fa- fantastic aesthetics one of my favorite snes games for sure and number one the banner saga for pc Ooh, nice okay it, 
And he says, okay, it isn't a classic game, but I just finished this game for the first time a little over a week ago, and I'm confident in saying it's one of my favorite games of all time. It has an engrossing story, a deep turn-based tactical bat- battle system. In parentheses, Jay might like this a lot if he hasn't played it before. Yeah, you might. I have not. I will, I'll actually take a look then. Um, and memorable characters in a Viking-inspired world makes me wish I could relive the tw- twists and turns all over again. Closes by saying, that's all I have for this time. As always, thank you for providing such a great podcast for us nerds to listen to. Stay classy or assy, your call. I will do the latter of the two. Uh, I'm so glad to see Banner Saga so high as his number one, because when I was talking about that on my list, I was like, sort of remembering like just how much I loved it when I played it. And it probably should have been closer to my top, probably like Um, 20-ish. Reviews are incredible. Oh, it is such a damn good game. And they just came out with the... uh, I think they're about to come out with the third one. Uh, The second one came out like a year or two ago. I haven't played it yet, though. I think... But if I I do go back and play it, I'll probably start... Just start over from the beginning. Just because of how good it is. And just so I can remember, like, you know, how the story's going and everything. It's very ballsy to do a tactical RPG like this in today's world. Especially for a non-mobile platform. Like, mobile platform, you know, tactical RPGs are pretty common. But it's interesting. Yeah. Okay, uh, let's see who's next. Uh, here we go. Email from Jonathan. Um, Jonathan says, it's going to be a quick one this time. There were a lot of games that you guys went over that sounded interesting. You should consider releasing your lists so that we can see what number 44, 69, 22, etc. was without having to search through hours of listening. Where did Rob list Kingdom Hearts on there? <laughs> Top five games. All right, this is his top five games. I wish I could play again, but as the first time. Uh, number. Oh wait, no, I'm sorry. First honorable mention: Dark Cloud. Probably one of the coolest dungeon crawlers I've played. Incorporated elements of town building and weapon crafting. Still waiting for a third entry on PS4. Have you ever played Dark Cloud? Uh, once a very long time ago, and I don't remember like at all. It's supposed to be like a really long game, I think, isn't it? Or am I just making that up i don't i know people who talk about it very positively but mm-hmm. i don't know the length of it okay no yeah I, I, I remember that being it being a pretty big popular game all right number five chrono cross this game takes wow. a lot of heat but mainly because it was supposed to be as good as chrono trigger and wasn't it did have awesome graphics awesome music and an okay story with innovative battle mechanics for its time I also played it. Be- I also played it before. You could just go online and see what everyone hated about it. Nowadays, the battle system is cumbersome, and knowing how the story turns out makes it hard to get into. But the first time was pretty cool. Uh, number four, Borderlands. This game was too cool for its time. If you haven't played it, you should make it at the top of your to-do list. The first time I remember playing this game, like a horror game, thinking everything would kill me, and it would. It's still fun today, <laughs> but definitely not like the first time. Uh, number three, Anamusha. You guys have talked about this one a lot, so I won't go into too much detail. It's an awesome samurai game with a soul-collecting game that, that powers up your weapons and armor. Another game that I'm anxiously awaiting a revival of on current gen. Uh, number three, I'm sorry, number two, Super Mario Legend of the Seven Stars. Oh, that's, oh this is the Super Mario RPG. Uh, it's still a it's still a lot of fun to play through today, but to experience this for the first time again would be magical. This game did some things that no other Mario game has done, like spoilers. 
have Bowser as an ally and include a Final <laughs> Fantasy boss. Lots of surprises in this one. What's the Final Fantasy boss? I don't remember that. Wait. Specific, uh, I'm trying to think what in Mario be. RPG. Do you remember? Google it. I've played this game many times. Super Mario RPG. I guarantee you I'm going to see it and go, oh, yeah, I'm an idiot. But... <laughs> Interesting. I don't know if I've seen this. It's a secret boss, apparently. Oh, oh, I think I kind of... Okay, now that you say that, I think I kind of remember hearing uh, something like that. This is Super Mario RPG Legend of the Seven Stars, correct? Yes. Yeah. Okay. It's interesting. Who's the boss? That's Culix. Culix? Yeah, here, I'll send you the link for it. Sorry. It's, I, I vaguely remember this, but I'm trying to see... It's not here hmm. Interesting. This is an optional boss. He, he originated from an alternate dimension called Vondo, which is only briefly mentioned in the game. He's, he's modeled after a traditional SNES uh, Final Fantasy boss, which is, which is understandable seeing that the creators of the series made Super Mario RPG uh, there were multiple Final Fantasy references that can be found during the fight. That's interesting. Hmm, cool. <clears throat> it's supposed to be comparable to Kefka. That's really interesting, actually. I don't think, I think I've ever heard about this, which is so weird. I'm going to watch the fight. <laughs> okay. Um, number one, Super Metroid. Easily <clears throat> my favorite genre outside of JRPG classics. The element of finding upgrades to progress and then returning later to advance to areas that were previously blocked just scratches an itch for me. I keep searching for games that accomplish this well. Of course, I'll never find one that did it as well as this game, which is why I'd like to experience it again. Thank you, Jonathan. Um, I do. I, I'm watching a video right now on this. I, I'm starting to remember this quite a bit. Like oh, I started you? seeing some of those animations and attacks. I'm like, oh yeah, I do remember this. Because I, I almost got tilted watching it. <laughs> <laughs> I do remember this getting triggered. I think I may have blocked this out of my memory and I might be digging up something I shouldn't. So. <laughs> nice. Okay. All right. Next email from Chase the Night Cleaner. Chase says, hello, gentlemen. Chase the Night Cleaner here to welcome you back after a much needed break. I got a pretty sick child on this end and not a lot of downtime. So let's get to it. I'm sorry to hear that. Uh, great job on the six hour episode, guys. I enjoyed every second of it. Thanks for your hard work. As for question of the day, can you remember a time playing a game in your life that had a crazy what-the-fuck moment in it. I found that I get less surprised... Ooh, we should make this be our top five. Yeah, I kind of like it, actually. I was thinking. I found that I get less surprised by games as I get older. Not sure if this that's because I've ex- I've just experienced so much media slash anime and life, or if, or if game writing just isn't there in games anymore. And I'm having trouble remembering a time that plot really blew me away. Maybe, uh, maybe it was just, maybe I was just easier to impress when I was younger. I still remember a huge what the fuck moments from Final Fantasy Tactics. And because I spent so much time when that game and its care with that game and its characters, it felt like the events had meaning. Anyway, that's all I've got, uh, for this week, guys. Sorry if it's small, but I'm sure you'll enjoy it if you use it right. 
Thanks as always for all that you do and look forward to the next 100 episodes. Cheers. Chase the night cleaner. All right. I'm going to uh, type this. Uh, I'm just going to copy this. Copy and paste this in our chat so we don't forget. Um, top five. We'll do top five uh, games that had big what the f- uh, fuck moments in them. You want to do that? Yeah, I like it. Okay. Hold on a second. Oh, I just had one and I forgot it already. Oh, I think I got it now. Okay. Sweet. Thank you, Chase. That's a bunch of needed question because now we have our topic. Yeah, I can't think of... I can kind of think of uh, like one... I can, I can think of two off the top of my head, but I'm going to save them for the top five list. Uh, last one. Can you handle it? Maybe. All right. Then I will let you... Damn it. Why don't you take this one? Who's this from? This is from Ryan. Uh, Ryan says, so there I was sitting in the airport, mooching off the free Wi-Fi. Side note, I ran into an airport recently that doesn't have free Wi-Fi, by the way. Oh, that sucks. It's the most tilting thing in the world. I had to be there for eight hours. I had to pay for Wi-Fi. I was like, Lame. Yeah, I don't think I don't. This was a while back, but the last time I was in the Memphis airport, I uh, they did not have free Wi-Fi. That's interesting. Uh, this is at O'Hare. I'm sure somebody's wondering. O'Hare is massive, so yeah, more money for them. Um, he said I was mooching off the free Wi-Fi, and I remembered that I hadn't written an email to my favorite podcast. Well, actually, actually, no, it's his favorite. But he says, well, actually, I missed the last. Passed two mail calls, so I decided to just get her done. <laughs> uh, I'm still working. That's what he said. Hey, just saying exactly what he wrote. Got it. I'm still working through the last podcast. Holy cow, it's taking a while. <laughs> yep. I, should finish it. I should finish it while I'm sitting on a plane this evening. It is actually really interesting to listen to you all remember all those games and reflecting on my own memories for them. Thanks for taking the time to record and edit the beast of a podcast. Yeah, that's yeah. all Robert right there. Yeah, that was all Thanks, me. Robert. Right. So I'm officially knocked out of the Final Fantasy 1 PSP speedrunning tournament I was in. Sorry. Uh, they took the top 16 into the double elimination portion, and I was number 17. Damn, too, oh, man. That's, that's got to feel pretty, pretty, pretty shitty. Uh, not too bad <laughs> for a game in. I started speedrunning 45 days prior to the beginning of the tournament. I've been providing, uh, providing commentary for the double eliminations around, which has been fun. Work in the crowd. AKA the chat has been a blast. I hope to do a couple more matches as my schedule permits. That's good. Maybe someday I'll get to provide commentary for GDQ. That's on my bucket list. Oh, that'll be fun. That, yeah, that's really good. That's if he's cool. only been practicing this for 45 days and he made it to, he almost made it to the top 16. That's pretty impressive, actually. I, I love listening to people who are very knowledgeable and not overly awkward. Uh, GDQ. <laughs> so fun to that's the trick, isn't it? Oh, it's a tough balance. I'm sure. <laughs> The current game I'm learning to speedrun is Blaster Master on the NES. Great choice. I love that game. I love the music. Uh, it has a lot of precision jumps and shooting. I'm learning where enemies spawn so I can kill them right as they're coming on my screen to reduce screen lag. There's also a couple of glitches to learn. So with how busy I've been the past couple weeks, it may take me at least another month of learning before I can start timing it. My younger brother's idea was was that we both learn an NES game and race each other to see who can do it better. better. Of course, as the older brother... And better looking brother, we all know how this will go down. But I'll humor him. <laughs> yeah. 
That's funny. Uh, for my casual play, I've been playing th- um, a more modern game. I'm slowly working through Bravely Default on the 3DS. Ooh, I just bought that. Really? Yep. Okay. Uh, he says, it plays really similarly to Final Fantasy III on the DS. The voice acting isn't bad, and the storyline is decent. I really like the combat mechanics. If you elect to brave during a round, you execute extra commands as the ex- at, at the expense of doing anything in the following round. Hmm. If you default, you save an action for the next round and have a raised defense value for that round. So you can really strategize how a battle will go. That's cool. So that's been really cool. He says, on to my top five. Uh, number five, Sanitarium. This game freaked me out when I first played huh. it. I was playing a pirated copy at my cousin's house after I graduated from high school in 99, and for the time, it was fairly twisted. I may have even lost some sleep over some of the messed up imagery. I got a copy on Steam last year, so I plan to play through it again. Uh, when my kids are when my kids are sleeping, is what he says. Yeah, good, no need to plan. mess them up too early. He says, if you guys haven't played it, Robert might like it since, since it's it is a point in adventure yeah i have not played it but uh I, 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 it's, it's on the list how about that we'll say that number four castlevania symphony of the night this game is amazing i have lost count how many times i've played through it i'm fairly proud of the fact that 100 i 100%ed this game before the era of game faqs and walkthroughs nice. on the internet that is a very good feeling honestly i like that mm-hmm. uh, i'd love to have it to find every uh, I'd love to have to find everything all over again and get surprised of the upside down castle number three Final Fantasy 10 great choice I got this for Christmas uh, for Christmas and enjoyed playing through it however my younger brother was playing it at the same time and got ahead of me and I saw a spoiler that maybe put down the game and never touch it oh. I bought my own copy on Steam during the most recent sale last month and I plan to play it soon however it would be cool uh, to not know that Seymour kisses Yuna. It would be cool to not know <laughs> that Seymour kisses Yuna. That's the scene that I saw my brother was playing that made me quit the game. So in a way, I'll be playing it for the first time, and I really don't know anything past that. That is nothing of this game. Are you yeah, kidding that's me? Yeah, that's t- funny that that's the thing that turned him off. There are like a couple sentences I could say that would ruin the game for you forever, and that one doesn't <laughs> do shit. Who cares? Number two, Chrono Trigger. Can I really say anything that you guys haven't already said about this one? It was one of the best RPGs I played as a kid, and I would love to hear to have that initial experience again. Number one, Undertale. Ooh, wow! I was just starting to get back into gaming and watched uh, watched a lot of Let's Play of this game. So all the all the surprises were ruined, but I still wanted to get this game and play it. I would love to play it again with those spoilers. I have no idea how my first playthrough would have gone. I can only imagine that the surprise when I found out the truth. All right, guys. Thanks for the fantastic podcast, Ryan. Thank you, Ryan. Seriously. Nice. That was a good one. Yeah. These were all, I mean, like, I think we say the same every time. But top five emails, emails right here. <laughs> yeah, these were the top five. I think we got right. six, but they're all the top five anyways. Uh, that's it for emails. Thank you so much. We got a bunch of them once again, which is really fun. Uh, thank you guys for writing in. You can mail us at mail at classicgamingpodcast.com. Make sure you do that. Uh, and let's see before we'll, we'll say, okay, we'll, we'll go ahead and do current gaming subcast and then we'll do the thing real quick that you and I had talked about briefly beforehand. Um, so current gaming subcast. Now, first of all, I got to call you out on some shit, Jay. Whoa. 
Because every time we have the current gaming subcast, and I'm like, oh, I played a million games. What about yeah. you? And then you're always like, oh, no, I haven't really played anything. But so? then, but I'm getting there. On the on your top 100 list, uh, you had Lisa, which mm-hmm. you had never talked about playing. And then True. every single night, well, I no, see you I playing. Talked... Uh, Did they not don't talk starve. About them on the podcast. Well, don't start. I only, only recently started playing again in the last couple weeks here. Uh, but Lisa, I didn't talk about. Lisa you talked staff. about I, it. I, you talked about it on your list. But what I'm saying is, you never were on the podcast being like, "Oh yeah, I played Lisa." I swear, I talked about. I talked about it because I like I co-opted with Lisa. That's why I'm like, I swear, I talked about this. Well, okay. we're just gonna say that I'm probably the the correct one right now. Well, to be honest, most of the time when we do the podcast and you ask me have I played anything else recently, it's usually a no, and it's it's an honest no, at least at least to my knowledge, unless I'm blacking out again. But no, I mean, right. I, I mean, recently, as of right now, I've, I told you a little bit before the podcast, I'm playing Civ Five. Is it Five? Yes, I wrote that out. I wrote that down because I was going to call you out on that as well. If you yeah, didn't say that, but I've only again, recently started playing that again. I only started playing the last couple weeks. Okay, well, how's it going for you? I wouldn't do it. Why don't you tell us about it? Um, well, Civ Five, we've talked about before. Um, no, Civ Five ahead. is fun. It's it's kill yourself. Um, Civ Five is. Uh, it's been a while since I said that to you. you realize that it has. It has. It's, yeah. it's bringing back some top numbers. five reasons to tell Robert to kill himself. <laughs> Number one, he deserved it. <laughs> uh, so Civ Five, um, I've talked about it before on the podcast. I really enjoy this game. I, I I do get engrossed at times of sort of like creating my own storylines in the games. Um, I really enjoy coming up with different strategies, especially early game strategies. I enjoy the macro micro aspects early on. I like playing very greedy. Um, I'm getting more, I'm getting better about um, strategy sort of building into expanding earlier and doing some real aggressive sort of expansions. Um, I'm not very good against people yet. I don't really understand how to beat other people very well, but I'm getting the hang of it. Yeah. I mean, I like RTSs. You're usually good at that kind of stuff. Yeah, but, like, I don't know. Even if I beat somebody, like, I usually look at it like, I should not have won this game. This person's just dog shit. Like, that's that's usually what I look at, because it's like, I know what I did wrong, and I know how I can improve, so it's like, that person should not have lost to me. That's that's usually what I think. Um, and then the other game is Don't Starve, which I which is crazy. Robert and I were talking about this before the podcast. I have spent 180 hours playing Don't Starve and Don't Starve together, and I'm, I'm pretty damn good at it. I'm, I'm, I'm very good at micro. I'm very good at not getting hit by things. I know good strategies. Um, I like I love playing Don't Starve together. I think it's a super fun game. Uh, I think Shipwrecked is very fun. I played a good amount of Shipwrecked. I'm actually playing through the story for the first time, which I usually just play the game just to get as far. Wait, as Wait, Shipwrecked is that like is that a Don't Starve expansion? Yeah, it's a okay. DLC where you actually gotcha. are shipwrecked instead of the normal Don't Starve, and you get boats and you travel around to different islands and you don't oh, stay cool. in one place okay. for very long. Um, yeah, I don't really like a lot of the new characters they've added. They're okay. They're just kind of. Meh. I play the good. Librarian for anybody who plays Don't Starve. That's pretty much my main character. Okay. Yeah, I think that's the most I've talked in the post post gaming subcast in a long time. Yeah, ever. Um, I played uh, Into the Breach, which is made by the same people that made FTL. Actually, I talked about this briefly. Oh, you did. Yeah, on the last one because it was on because FTL came up. Uh, it was on my list, but I think we talked about this specifically when it came up on uh, Jay David on Gaming Jay's list. He had FTL on his top five, and I asked him about Into the Breach for a second to see if he'd been playing it. Uh, Into the Breach, made by the people who made FTL, uh, but it's a very different game. 
it is uh, the the whole premise of the game is every level is takes place on like an eight by eight grid, and you're in like a area. It might be like a desert area or like an ice area or kind of like more woodsy area. And uh, it's you controlling mechs, and you're fighting against uh, basically like starship troopers, giant bugs. And uh, there are buildings on the map, and there's you know also you know, always like some sort of terrain and like trees and mountains and that kind of stuff. But the bugs are trying to attack the buildings and, and, and attack you, your guys in some cases, and you control three mechs <clears throat> and you're trying to protect the buildings and also keep, protect yourself, keep yourself, keep your own mechs from dying. And, uh, the, it's every mech has like specific like moves that it can do and like ways that it can, uh, like some of them like can fly. So like you can go over water and, it, and, and still be able to fire. And some of them like uh, can like move a little bit longer distance than others. But the, the main thing is like the way they attack, they all, all the different mechs attack in different ways. Like some of them might have a basic attack where you like shoot somebody or some might have like an attack where it doesn't do any damage, but it knocks everybody out of the way. Uh, like it knocks them into a different uh, squ- you know, into a different tile. And, or some of them, like one of them, like can shoot long distance, like over stuff, or one of them can only do melee. There are a bunch of different ways that, uh, there are a bunch of different, uh, mechs that have a bunch of unique abilities, but, uh, it's, it's funny because we were talking about chess earlier playing, um, into the breach really, a lot of it feels kind of like chess because you're like, well, if I move this guy here, then he can do that. So if I move this mech here, then that's going to block him from being able to, to attack this building and so on and so forth. Uh, I found myself kind of using like the same type of like anticipatory thought process where you have to figure out like what the AI is going to do in response to what you're going to do. Or like, you know, if I knock this guy out of the way, where is he going to be? And then can my other guy come around and hit him, uh, you know, before they attack this building? It's a really uh, it's a really fun game. It's it's not as good as FTL, but it is very 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 good. F- you you can't ask for a game to be as good as FTL. This one is like a, as as good as you can ask for a game to be. So into the breach, uh, if you like kind of like strategic tactical games, uh, you'll I, I think you'll get a lot of fun out of this one. All right. Cool. Um, I watched a good amount of people stream it. People seem oh, very did you? very happy. Yeah. Yeah. It's 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 fun. Okay, uh, so real quick, Jay and I had, well, maybe not real quick, as quick as we can make this. Jay and I were talking, and this came up, uh, I thought about this, uh, ironically, when somebody was talking, when somebody sent us an email in on the last episode, talking about how they like that we don't do this very much, but as they were oh, saying yeah. that, as they were saying that, I was thinking, well, you know what, okay, that's that's good, and I and I, and I agree but I think it would be fun to do this every once in a while just to mix things up a little bit. And that is to for, for Jay and I to both play the same game. It's We've done this surprisingly few times throughout the entire history of the podcast. I can think of two times that we've done this. Maybe even just, and I'm forgetting the second one now, so maybe I can only right now think of one time that we've actually done this. Uh Somebody said that they like the fact that we always play different games from each other because we end up asking questions that we probably wouldn't have asked uh, had we both played the game because, you know, obviously we both know about it. But uh, I do think it's fun to every now and then 
have a game that we can both talk about together at the same time and kind of both give our give give differing thoughts on the same thing. So, we're our plan is to do this with one game just four times a year, once every quarter. So not very much enough to where we still can uh, have as much time to play like just whatever we feel like playing, but then add this into the mix as well. Uh, I think that gives us I think that's a good uh, rate to do this at don't you Jay every three months oh, yeah. that we have it okay I think so for sure so we'll do this and see how it turns out if it, if it turns out well we'll keep on doing it and I, th- I think it will but we'll see how it goes uh, so we'll ha- we'll have game of the quarter where we have a game and then in three months time we come back we, we've we've played it sometime in this three months probably closer to the end so we remember enough about it. And then at the end of this three months, we uh, we, 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 we talk about it on, on an episode. Also, I think it'd be fun for anybody listening uh, to also play the game. So we'll we'll announce beforehand, what, and we'll keep reminding you, uh, if, if I remember to do so, what the game is, what the game of the quarter is. And then we'll an- announce it, you know, not just one episode, but like hopefully two or three episodes beforehand, which episode it's going to be that we end up, that we're, that we're going to plan to talk on this. So if you want to... Uh, try to play the game as well. I would rec- I would encourage you to do so and then email us what you thought of the game so we can kind of have that all together on one big episode. We can all sort of talk about it. I think this is going to be fun. I agree. Jay, I'm going to let you pick the first game. Now, the way, the way you and I talked about this is that we'll go back and forth on who picks the game and if... Uh, and whoever's turn it is, they can either pick a game or... Or we can randomize it the way we did a while back where we ended up playing Clock Tower and Mr. Nuts. I'd rather randomize it, personally. Okay, I think randomizing is super fun. That's probably what I would have done, yeah, too. I think, it's, I think it's wicked interesting. Okay. Anything. Awesome. Honey pop. If you get honey pop, I'm calling bullshit, by the way. <laughs> um, <clears throat> okay, I'm going to have to edit a bunch of this out because I'm going to have to make the list, first of all, the consoles um, on random.org so we can get it truly random. Then I'm going to have to type in all the letters of the alphabet, and we're going to go from there. So the way we the way we did the randomizer last time was first we – I'm on random.org. I'm going to type in a bunch of consoles, and we're going to narrow it down to one console. Then I'm going to put in every every letter of the alphabet, including – or I guess, yeah, including numbers and including uh, spaces to where we, uh, like, pick – where we randomize it each time until we basically spell out a game. So like if we got the letter C, then we would narrow it down to all the, if we get like got Super Nintendo and then we got C, then we'll be like all this, we'll pull up the list of all the Super Nintendo games on Wikipedia, then go to the C section. Then if the next one is like, you know, uh, Z and there's no CZ game, then we essentially like randomize again and, and get that until we get an, a letter that actually works. So if it's CA, then we go from there, then we randomize again, and keep on going until we've narrowed it down to one single game uh, for that console. So, um, Jay. Hi. We need to make sure that this is that, that we're doing consoles that we both have access to. So for me, that basically means a console that I own, and for you, it means something that's easy to emulate. So we got uh, NES, SNES, PS1, PS2, GBA... Game Boy, Genesis, and PC. Okay? Mm-hmm. All right, so I'm going to randomize that. And it's going to be a PS1 game. Cool. I'm always excited well, to see what turns F out, huh? For Final Fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> all right, oh, now I'm going to put in all the letters of the alphabet and all the numbers, so give me just a second to do all this. Uh, here we go. So I've got everything. 
And uh, let's let's pull up a list. Do you want to pull up the list or you want me to of all the games on Wikipedia, all the PS1 games? Sure. Got it? it? All right. So just go, just first pull up all, uh, go to Wikipedia or like search all PS1 okay. games or all PlayStation games. Yep. Okay. Yep. The first letter is uh, the number four. Is there any that starts with the number four? There's probably not going to be too many if there are. Uh, let's see. Yes. There's one, two, three. Okay. All right. What are they? Forty winks, four dash four dash two soccer, and fourth super robot wars scramble. Please Holy let's play shit, that one. Please, yes, okay. That so, sounds so interesting. Um, oh, the box art looks ridiculous. Oh, it's so Japanese. Oh, it's a tactical RPG for the super. Oh my gosh! Wait, wait, hold on. Read this to me. Wait, what's it called? Twenty. Let's play such games. It's called Fourth. Super Robot Wars. Why does it say it's for Super Famicom? Oh, it came out for... I think a port came over for PlayStation. Oh, this is probably... I don't think there's an English version of this. Yeah, you are not going to find this. You no. are not going to find this. All right, so that's right, probably not going to So we got 40 Winks and 4-2-4-4-2. Dash 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 okay, so I'm just going to oh, do... Jesus, doesn't okay. even have its wiki on Wikipedia page. So what do either of those... We have 40 Winks. 40 Winks is us. <laughs> 40 Winks? Okay, so it's going to be... It's, it's 40 Winks, basically. Yeah, it's for multiple platforms. 64, Windows, and PS1. You said 40 PS1, right? Winks. Yeah, PS1. Conquer Your Dreams. 40 Winks is a platformer developed by Eurocom and published by GT Interactive for, as, as for the PlayStation. Uh, let's see. The player takes control of either Rough or Tumble, a brother and sister who are sleeping and trying to get 40 winks from a man named Nightcap and his accomplice. <laughs> Threadbear. Threadbear. Winks are small white creatures which make dreams, and hoodwinks, hoodwinks, Robert, which are green and of a similar size, are what responsible for any nightmares. Throughout the game, a player can collect moon-shaped tokens which are used to scream at dreamy apparitions. <laughs> Holy Z- a Z-shaped token, tokens which stop the player's character from waking up. Floating cogs are also collected to doors, and each and in each of the three levels in each world, collect four dream keys to be placed on the clock face in order to challenge the boss before moving on to the next world. The only characters travel through dream worlds, nightmare, underwater, space, prehistoric, castle, and pirate. The player can also transform into different types of beings, including caveman, robot, jester, Fairy and Ninja. What the fuck? This game sounds amazing. It kind of <laughs> does, doesn't it? <laughs> All right, I'm down. I am definitely down. This the box sounds... art's not bad either. Here, look at this. Box no, I, yeah, I'm either. looking at it. I'm looking at it. It's uh, okay. the I, I don't know. Looks the box like art. I, based on the box art, I feel like this could really go either way. But the the it description. Looks like claymation. It does. The description sounds uh, sounds interesting enough to me, not just to think that this is going to be sure. a complete wash. Oh, whoa. What? This looks nothing like I expected. Oh, God, this game does not look good. <laughs> well, we're in it. Am I looking at it? Yeah, I pulled up some images as well. I'm watching a playthrough. What the hell am I looking at? So we don't have to, like, beat the game or anything, but we just have to play it enough to where we oh. can, uh, you know, talk about it in depth. You know, to whatever depth there is to say, but it does not look great. All right, so game of the quarter is Forty Winks for PlayStation. Um, we will. So we'll say like so. Technically, I so technically the quarter 
that we're in would end in like a week from today. So we'll do, uh, we'll count, we'll say like, you know, obviously this is the beginning of the next quarter. So we'll, um, the end of June will be when we will talk about this game. Sound good? Sounds good, Robert. Okay. And that is going to do it for this episode. So if you want to play 40 Winks along with us and be able to talk about it, grab it or in whatever way you can. Or if you want to get cancer. Or wants to. <laughs> yeah. Then that's what Probably. we'll be playing. Be okay. We'll see. Um, again, our top five for the next episode is uh, top five uh, what the fuck moments in, in video games. And uh, what else? What else we got? Is there anything else? Um, don't forget to email us. Mail at ClassicGamingPodcast.com. Leave us iTunes reviews. Tell other people to listen to the Classic Gaming Podcast. Let's build up our listenership a little bit more so we can get more emails and talk to more people about video games. Sound good to you? I like it. All right. Uh, that's going to do it for this episode. We will be back in two weeks. And thank you guys for listening. Yeah, I'm going to go catch me some 40 winks, if you know what I mean. <laughs> this is so easy, Blake. Like, I literally just have to fucking say random things, and he's about to pee himself. Sweet. My God. Hey, Robert. Kabuki. <laughs> this is so easy, Blake. Thank <laughs> you. <laughs>